Hi, this is Nick Dragata at Heroes Con, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Oh, my goodness. Together again. Ooh, the last part sounded very nice. That's because it's right up against my dick. Or my mouth. One or the other. Either way, it's wherever the brain is. Just move your dick away a little bit because it's causing some static. Static must shock. Be of the hair. Of the hair. Yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. My, uh, my genitalia are unshaven. They're unshorn. Watermelon and Easter day. Look, they look shorter than me. <laughs> Not short. Shorn. I know, but so then you look shorter than me. Well, it is short. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, uh, yeah. He does the old two-finger push it back whenever he shows the way you want how much it is. No, no, move your fingers and then we'll talk. Yeah, I don't even know. What's that mean? I don't even know what that term means. It's a two-finger push. Oh, my God, Vince. Vince, hold on. I got it. Damn. Are we going to... Is the music loud? It's no, actually. It's not. All right. It's just, not just for... When we're done tonight, just remind me. 420. 420. Yes. Okay. 420. Oh, hilarious. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but the, and then we can get Mario back later too, though. But well, Mario's going to have something to say about the intro anyway. If he listens, I don't know if he listens anymore. Time he said, "Thank God for the fast forward." <laughs> ha! This is eleven o'clock comics episode three hundred and seventy-six. Yes, and I am glad to be with my boys, Vince P. Oof! I'm glad to have my boys back, David A. Price. Why you gotta revise? Oh, sniggity snap. It's like you, and you I'm glad to be back. And you just walked right over me. <laughs> you would think we haven't been doing this for seven years. Well, we haven't You're done free. it in over a week and a half, so. We, uh, we should have some kind of telepathy going on. Mm. I like was going to say that I'm, I'm glad to be back with my boys, but now I'm just going to say that I'm Isaac Washington, mixologist of the seas. No, you're not um, Isaac Washington. Doing, doing the gun thing? You're glad to be back with your boys, Jason Wood. That's who you are. Well, that's don't front. It's true. Yeah, you try and be all tough and shit. We know who you. I'm going to make David happy too. I'm walking all over David early so that I'm going to make him happy when we do the drink roll call. I like it. I like it. I'm going to let him down as usual. What the? But he's expecting right. that. So. No... Yeah. And you know what you can expect at Discount Comic Book Service? Oh, okay. Wumba. Huge, huge, massive amazingly large discounts on your favorite funny books and collectibles. Rejoice and hold hands because the list of specials is up and they are amazing. Get this. From Paper Cuts, with a Z, Paper Cuts, it's Dennis the Menace Hardcover Volume 1, the classic comic books. This is intriguing. Um, these are, um, it says here they're presented for a new audience, obviously. Originally published in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Oh, boy. Uh, these comics are just as funny today as when they first appeared. Dennis is a combination of good intentions, misdirected helpfulness, and exuberant energy, which never fails to provide an entertaining mixture of merriment. I think Mr. Wilson would disagree about that. But anyway, mm-hmm. the writer is Fred Toole, and the artists are Owen Fitzgerald, Al Weissman. Now, remember, this is a hardcover. Cover price is a very respectable 20 bucks. Wow. Your price? Ten dollars and ninety nine cents. That's forty five percent off. Yes, I love Dennis the Menace. I like the old Dennis the Menace. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, those movies are atrocious. Oh, the movies suck. The, 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 the old TV show wasn't bad, but it was, um, the, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was one of my favorite one panel comic yeah. strips reading the daily news and stuff. Ketchum's awesome. Yes, absolutely. And number two on the list comes from Image. We, specifically Jason, has been singing this dude's praises for a long time. Um, he is starting to catch on. I <laughs> 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 snorted. And snorted. That's awesome. He is starting to catch on big time. We saw his work on Apocalyptic Girl. Oh, this, man. this is called Headlopper. Number one, it's an extra-sized first issue. Yeah, I think it's like 90-some pages for just five ninety nine. but you can get it for half that, $2.99. The great Andrew McLean. It's going to be a quarterly now, so it's not going to break the bank. It's going to be a little extra-sized, but you're only going to have to pony up four times a year, which is awesome. I like extra-thick comics, and this is one of them. Headlopper number one. And last but certainly not least... From DC Vertigo, it's about damn time. The Sandman Overture Deluxe Edition hardcover collects one to six of Neil Gaiman and J.H. Williams. Wow. No, come on. No, no I'm saying. It, no, I know. I'm saying it's about time. Like you said, it's yeah. Yeah, it's about damn time. Yeah. Uh, collects uh, six issues. Uh, it's oversized, and you can get it. Forget this. Twelve dollars and forty nine cents. Fifty percent off. Don't even hesitate. Even if you have maybe a you know your your interest in gaming is marginal, marginal Margible. at best. Marginal, like money. If, put yeah. that shit on my toast. I like it better than butter. Yeah, right. So this is going to be a standard size. <laughs> this is going to be a standard size hardcover, like like a premier hardcover from Marvel or Master. But it's not going I'm to thinking... match your your Sandman absolutes, is what I'm getting. No, at. it's not okay. That. Okay. It's a deluxe edition, which I'm guessing is equivalent to Marvel's premiere okay. format. Um, but it's beautiful, and uh, the art alone should be reason for you to uh, secure this for your library, especially at half off. DCB Service does not mind late orders. They don't mind order editions. I do it all the damn time. And you get your books delivered right to your freshly painted door without lifting. Well, you have to lift a finger, but you don't have to lift your butt off the couch. That's what's great. DCBService.com. Go to them. Do it. Nice. Yeah. Well done, my friend. You guys gave me two blowouts that time with your humor. Humor. Well, we're funny dudes. Yeah, you are. <laughs> well, you two? Funny. <laughs> funny how? Mm-hmm. Funny? Let's do the drink roll call. I'm going to go first. <laughs> so, so I will be the, the, the low point. The bearer of bad news. I will rise. I am drinking sodium-free. Mm. Raspberry lime seltzer. Now, is that a th- like? Do, do, do people even have to worry about salt in their soft drinks? I don't, but it's I know you I don't. Know. And that oh, so like these are. It's like it's like don't touch the fire. It's hot. I don't I don't understand like why you put a label on like that on a soft drink. I am like the salt vampire from Star Trek. Oh. I lo- I love sodium. oh I love the sodium. <laughs> oh yeah, oh. absolutely. Could you please blast the flavor? No, it, salt is awesome, but I didn't think it was. You'd have to say, hey, there's no salt in this water. No. Salt is magical. Salt can make the shittiest meal taste Absolutely. Absolutely. It's true. Yeah, because she cooks up some <laughs> god off Put a little bit of salt on it. Yeah. Damn. I hear <laughs> Get my eat on. 
Take some mashed potatoes, put some salt in it. It's magic. <laughs> I'm serious. And you cannot consume an ear of corn without salt. Oh, you've got to have the salt. you got to have the salt. You know what I put salt on that freaks people out? Pizza. Oh, I put salt on pizza. I've seen it. I, I, I yeah. don't because I figured the cheese is salty enough and usually the oh, dough yeah. is. But it's... I, no, I think... The salt brings out the flavor of the cheese. No, and it does. And I, I've actually, I have done it. Um, I tend to, it, because I don't do condiments and things like that, I, I, I prefer the whole, I guess as pure as possible from the oven with the pizza. I've seen people put black pepper on it, which is a little no, bit more. No, I don't go that route. Yeah, that's, no. it's like ketchup on eggs. I, I that, put I salt on cantaloupe as well. Wow. See, now that's, see, that's, that's got that salty sweet thing going on. So I could see that. Right. Yeah. Well, it's often, you know, they often serve prosciutto with cantaloupe. That's kind of where I got right. the idea. Yeah. I like it. So, yeah. Would you drink a book? He's a gourmand. He is a gourmand. For reals. I wasn't going to say the F word. Nah. <laughs> well, so, you know, I had a wonderful time. I mean, I missed you guys. Don't get me wrong. Mm. But you I held it. Yeah, you did. You held it down. Uh, well, David held it. Motherfucker, I'm missing What? Uh, but, uh, I had an amazing time in the islands. Specifically, uh, Turks and Caicos, the island it was in Caicos, uh, with the fam last week. It was, it was magical. Uh, it seems like it was a century ago already, thanks to work. But, um, so I decided that, uh, we had so much, uh, fun last week drinking all the tropical drinks that I would, uh, I would, I would carry that into the show and, and switch it up and give people some summer cocktails to enjoy. So this week's cocktail, which I made for Beth and myself, uh, is called the black cherry. Mm-hmm. And there's one ingredient. Well, there's actually two ingredients that are a little odd and, uh, but, but easier to find than you're going to think. Uh, first there's rum. Easy enough, right? You can guess that island drink. You think rum, lemon, easy enough, simple syrup, easy enough. But then here comes the kicker. You take an ounce of black cherry puree. Mm. Which again, you're thinking like, where the hell am I going to get that? But you can get it like any decent liquor store has it. Um, and then the last thing, which is the, the, the what the what, uh, and I'd never heard of it until this past week. Uh, it's a syrup called Velvet Falernum, F-A-L-E-R-N-U-M. And it, uh, I was told by the bartender that was making these things that you could basically just use more simple syrup if you want. But the falernum is what really gives it this, the drink, the, 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 the kick because, uh, I don't know everything that's in it, but he said it's like a mixture of different spices. Like, um, there's allspice and lime and cloves. So it's a very, very potent, uh, syrup and you don't, you only use a little bit, but you mix all that together, serve it over ice and it's freaking delicious. And uh, wow. yeah, so, uh, so there you go. So it's, uh, it's, it doesn't have a clever name. I think it needs a, a more clever name than this, like the Scarlet Witch or something, but, but, uh, it's just called the Black Cherry. And, uh, you know, if you Google it, you can see the ingredients, but, but again, it's essentially a rum drink with two kinds of simple syrup and, uh, and, and then cherry puree. Well, well thank you for, for learning us. You're welcome. See what I did? I, 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 I saw that. I heard. That. <laughs> Uh, well, I needed something with some ice because it's, it's more humid than a mug up here. So, uh, I am having, this is for Vince. I'm having some knob creek on the rocks. Oh, slob of knob. 
Love the knob. Yes. I had some wine with dinner, but I'm like, no, I need it to be, I need to cool things down upstairs, especially since you guys are going to get me hot. So, um, mm-hmm. threw some ice in a glass, grabbed the knob, and, uh, headed mm-hmm. to the bedroom. And twisted it. Twisted Always it all the time. All right. Before we pro- Wait. Oh, go ahead. Do you have thank yous? No, but I was going to ask if anyone else did. Uh, uh, I don't have a thank you, but I have a, a little friendly shout out to our listeners. Haiku? Today. Oh. No, um, I buy comics from Barnes and Noble once a year. And it's this time of year because they're having a DC, uh, week. And they have some kind of fashion like this every year. It's different, but this year it's, it's DC themed. But essentially they have all of their DC related collected editions ranging from absolutes all the way down to just, you know, tr- straight up soft cover trades. Uh, on sale, and then it's buy two, get the third free. And it's in-store, but also online from, um, we're recording on the 8th through the 12th. And if you play your cards right, you can end up getting like three Omnibu or Absolutes for a very cheap price, if you're, you know, for all three combined. So I, uh, I would recommend to folks that have been holding out for some, some big oversized collected editions that this would be a decent time to, uh, venture over to Barnes and check that out. Uh, so there you go. Nice. Cool. Yeah. So if there's no more outstanding business, let's oh, talk about the comics. Do. Oh, the comics. Yes. I so read literally all of the comics. All of them. All of them. <laughs> all, everything up until today, okay. yes. Yep. Every well, I read the comic all. that's ever been printed until today. <laughs> I, I read them all from a certain publisher, but... Uh, you know, if you guys want to mix it up a little, that's cool. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's like Stane said, it's been a while. So I think maybe, um, we might, we might do a mix up, especially since there are a couple of things I think Jason and I might, might be tag teaming on, um, without, uh, without spoiling anything. I noticed something that Vince read that I read that I think Jason read that only two of us probably dug. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, we may get into that depending on how time goes. But I mean, we can, uh, can we, I mean, should can we, we talk about start Secret off Wars, Secret, Secret, Wars, Secret Wars number four? I'm thinking that that's probably where we should start. Yes. Yes, we should start there. Because <laughs> I read it and I've been waiting for you guys to get back so you could read it. And then like, I think first thing Monday morning or something, I was like, you guys gotta get on Secret Wars. And it was the, the messenger was just like Secret Wars, though, and and I was like, oh, I'm giddy. I mean, it, this issue just this issue broke my heart twice. Like, <laughs> it made me laugh twice. I know, I know, but it was. Uh, I know it would because you're a fucker. But it, it's a. Um, it it was, it it was a fantastic issue, and it it's a. Um, it we're halfway through, and it's there were just. Things that happen in this issue that you know you could just read the comic book and be like, oh, this is a cool story, and get to the end, and you're like, oh, that's wicked, and then you know wait until issue five comes out. But if you if you pay attention, if if you if you know Hickman's writing and 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 you just looked at things here and there, especially with the art, there were some little I'm not going to call them tricks, but if you paid attention, you know that it wasn't just a straightforward story that there were little things going on back there. There were things happening in doom's brain and, and they were just, there were reactions and maybe overreactions. It was, it was probably the best issue to date. 
Oh, by far. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. But the one, there, I, there's something about the series to date, and it was particularly evident in this issue that irks me just a little eensy teensy bit. Well, a little more than that, but it, it, it bothers me a little bit that the company <laughs> is going out of their way to eradicate I I everything, everything Fantastic Four from their merchandising and their, their books at large. We, we now don't have a Fantastic Four series per se. And yet the big, gigantic, no holds barred company event is essentially, as of this issue, a Doom versus Reed story. A fitting end to a Hickman. It is. And that's what Dave, David calmed me down a little bit. He reminded me. He said, well, this could be Remender just Hickman. saying goodbye. Or, I'm Hickman. sorry, Hickman. Yeah, I got Remender on the brain. This could just be Hickman saying goodbye to these characters he has loved, well, for X amount of years, but that he has played with for a good amount of years at Marvel. So it could just be the swan song for him on Fantastic Four. And that's great. But... If the core of the series is two versions of Reed versus Doctor Doom, and then you have the 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 uh, the satellite characters of Sue and Valeria, it's a Fantastic Four story. The, the, you know, don't call it something else when essentially it is. And that well, irks me just a teeny tiny but, bit. But the original Secret Wars was also somewhat of a Doom story, right. so I mean they're just kind of following suit with this. And and okay, it, that's, it's that's great. The whole. Um, Shit, what you just said about, uh, the, the two reads, that, that one panel where this, this motherfucker, where Maker's all like, is, is he talking to me? I, I really don't care for his tone. And, and Max is just like, no, he's, he's definitely not talking. That was just the, 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 the 1610 read is such a fucking dick. I just, I want him oh, to yeah. be gone. I just, I, more so than you want Coach Boss to be gone, I want Maker to be gone. Yes, and but I think he's a part of him is ashamed at what he's turned into. It, it, if he had any kind of pride in himself, he would not wear that fucking helmet because mm. it, <laughs> it is just it is just god. <laughs> no, well, he obviously doesn't have pride in himself because yeah, it was well, good Doom, enough for Lance Armstrong. It's good enough for Reed. <laughs> <laughs> Doom, on the other hand, has plenty of pride. But I thought this issue was great. It 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 just reinforces. How ineffectual Scott has become. And it wasn't even Scott at that point. It was Phoenix and it was just, it was the Phoenix force. And, and yeah, no, it, it was, it was no, I mean, oh, he had the upper hand for like three panels and it, it was short lived and it was, it was expected. I mean, I have not, once the Phoenix force is in the picture, that, that, that kind of just, and I had to go back when I reread it. That's when I realized I was like, oh, that's Cyclops. Cause when I first read it, I'm like, okay, so Doom just kind of just, snuffed out this dude and and it didn't click with me that it just because i didn't see scott i didn't see cyclops there it was obviously it was but that that didn't affect me as much as the last page page and a half did um but leading up to that you had valeria's calculations telling dad that you know well this this is what would happen if if you don't interfere and oh look steven showed up with some heroes and and um, you know, so, okay, so it's a little bit more unpredictable, but they're a little bit better in our favor now. And then, um, and, and then Susie sees Reed and she says that 
I'm attracted to that for some reason. And I'm, I'm wet. Like, oh, let me, all right, let me, let me go, you know, let me go swing this big dick. And, and, and why am I wet? (laughs) I don't understand. I feel something that, you know, you never give me, but, uh, you know, it's just, but did, and this is what I said, you know, if, if, if you reread it or if, if, if you're observant the first time around, when, um, when, when Strange was doing his little, playing uh maestro and doing his orchestra maneuvers with his hands there which was awesome did did you see t'challa glowing in the background yes. a little bit yeah yes, right because he he said remember this. yes and so that was and then he scatters them into the wind and and it, which was awesome so I, I but t'challa is the only one that's glowing right but that right so i think he's going to be the, the uh, well the, he's the only one that's glowing right because he's the only one in the frame. You know, right, yes. Right. Right. But he's a focal point, so I'm guessing that he may be the instigator of Oh of dude, the if rebellion. T'Challa ends up being the like main hero of this whole oh, series, I will plot. Yes. Well it makes sense with the movie coming up, right? For days. Well yeah, but the movie's not for like another two. I don't years. think Hickman gives a balls about that though. <laughs> well, you know, it could it could be it could be editorially instigated. But I just want to say one more thing about Scott. I don't think the jury's out yet the, on Scott. The jury's not out on anybody yet. I'm because all right, just it just goes to show you how resilient Doom is in this reality because he Scott is throwing around the Phoenix Force. Right. The Phoenix Force has destroyed universes. Destroyed broccoli heads. Well, wait, it, you're, it, but that's I think the whole point of the issue, right? Which is why you know that, that it's got Doom's an end poorly for Doom. I mean, Doom took out Thanos, Phoenix Force, and much to David's chagrin, <laughs> Sir Supreme, oh, with sheriff. almost no effort. I mean, it's, you're not, you're led to believe that it, it, they just basically became annoying to him, so he dispatched them and, and proving that in effect he really is honestly and truly God at this point. But he, he is. I, I think that last page also proves that he is, um, impatient and irrational. This well, and but I think because it only because of Reed, right? He's been, right? Yeah, that's when he, long, that's when he acted. Guess, for months, years, I don't, I don't know if they've said exactly how long this, this whole battle world existence has, has been in place, but certainly for a long time now. And he has held it together and acted as a, as a god and, and been fairly effective, if we're to believe, uh, the way everybody views it, that he's actually done a good job, um, in an untenable situation. And then Reed shows up and he can't help himself. Everything starts falling apart. He just can't imagine. Yeah, I just can't. He can't deal with Reed still existing and being out there. Right, he's afraid of him. Of course he is. Yeah, but and that's what Steven says. And you, sh- I think you're afraid of him, and I think you should be, <laughs> yep. yeah. which is awesome. Well, Doom stole the power of the Beyonders, that essentially made him God, yeah. which leads me to believe that this reality could be a construct. It, it couldn't. It doesn't necessarily have to exist in traditional terms as as we know it as existing i mean they, they could feel and look and all the senses tell you that you're in some kind of reality this could be a construct just like what happened with franklin right well and i think that's the big the big issue that's that we'll have to see if hickman can stick the landing because as of right now i think especially since we've seen now 45 titles that are coming after this in the all new all different marvel universe uh it 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 would seem that it's somehow, some way, this is going to be, there's going to be a gigantic deus ex machina here. Right. Where either Doom, by his own decision, or because Reed forces him to, or what have you, he somehow realizes he can reverse things and 
put realities back in place and, and do, does so. And, and, and if that's what happens, uh, it, I will give Hickman a lot of credit if he can make that feel satisfying because I, I don't think a Deus Ex Machina after a story that you've been building for years would be very satisfying, but we'll see because otherwise I don't know how he's going. I don't know how we go from battle world to all of these titles that we've seen. If, if there's not some kind of reversal of, of, of the lack of there being other universes. Right. I mean, right. I, I think the, uh, uh, fly in the ointment is going to be Sue. More so than, well, because of the attraction. Like, why is Frank, like, Franklin's still marginalized, and I, I wonder, it, it just would make so much sense to me to, to, and Hickman is so, so good at weaving in all of these different parts of the Marvel lore. Why, why wouldn't Franklin have something to do with this? He's the most powerful, arguable, arguably the most powerful being ever. Hickman made him so. I mean, it's, Hick, Hickman didn't run away from that in terms of the future version of Franklin. And, right. and, and we've got Valeria and Sue up Doom's ass, whole, whole hog. And Franklin, the only time we've seen him is, is kind of vegging out playing some kind of kids game in, in the palm of Galactus's hand. Yeah. I so. see that's the thing. He's, he's been really, um, good with, Slamming the fact that Valeria is incredibly smart down our throats. He's been doing it since day one on Fantastic Four. The fact that we haven't seen much of Franklin, right. I think at this point, we're, we're what, halfway through? This is an eight issue series, right? Yeah. Um, we're halfway through and there hasn't been the slightest clue that Franklin's going to play a part in it. I don't know. I think that would be more of a Deus Ex Machina than if Doom just flat out said, you know what, I was wrong. I wonder if now this, because we've seen so many analogs, we've seen, you know, multiple Dr. Octopuses, Dr. Octopi, we've seen, you know, Modox, we've seen. Electros. <laughs> but, you know, we there's only one Doom. There's only right. one Valeria. We've only seen Sue in Secret Wars proper, at least that I'm aware of so far. Um, basically, the court of, of doom, the people that he deals with on a daily basis, they only exist in secret wars, except which Vince and I liked about secret wars, um, journal, except strange. So I'm wondering now if the events from the end of secret wars, number four, my goodness, if strange still lives on. Oh yeah. Right. Right. Because he's able to just hop from body to body now. That would be very cool. Could be. And that would make the events of that first, um, the one with the Punisher, a little more meaningful. And then Wolverine, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, the Thors, the Thors have their own book now, but I mean, we only were familiar with them from Secret War. So, I mean, you know, everybody else pretty much has an analog Spider-Man. Well, yeah, Spider-Man has Renew Your Vows, and then he's on, he's in Secret Wars, and you have um, whoever the hell's showing up in, in Spider-Verse, but, um, <laughs> yeah, which I, I still haven't read the second issue yet, so I, I don't think Peter's in that, but um, he's in Renew Your Vows, and then I think something else, did, did Spider-Island, something else came out today, right? Spider-Island, yeah, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure that that's, that has a Peter in it, but, um, I'm, I'm guessing, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm, that puts me a little bit more at, at ease about the events from the end of the issue, but no, it's, it's just been, it's, it, 
it's weird because when, when you just kind of condense it and, and, and say that, you know, Steven talks to the heroes and then there's a fight and then Doom overreacts and that's the issue. And it seems like it happens. It, it's a very quick read, but I mean, you have, you have the events at the beginning with the Thors versus the, the Cabal. And then you have, um, you know, a couple of pages of, of Valeria breaking shit down and, and then, you know, they're watching the fight and then doom um interferes if you want to call it that so i mean it it was an extremely jam-packed issue and it does feel like it went by quickly but so much happened in it and and it it just it yeah no i i'm just i'll keep harping at it It, it's so far it is the i thought the third issue was good but the fourth issue kicked its ass so i'm wondering what the thing was that pushed Steven back to the other side. I mean, if he's, you know, sleeping with Doom for however long, I mean, he's in cahoots with him. They both rule. I think it's kind place. of to keep him in check to a degree. Yeah, but th- was there a single incident in this fourth issue? Well, that- he, he says, remember, he says, I, I, this is different. I, these are actually our versions. These are, the, these are the people that I spent a life with. I, right. I can't, I can't just kill them. This isn't like just some other universe's version, and I won't do that. And then, right? So he's he's right, and it's it's living with the guilt of what he and and Doom have done, and and Doom's fine with it, so we assume. But you know, Steven's living with what they've done, and and it's it's got to take its toll. And and Stephen Strange is not Victor Von Doom. He does. It's talking about. Different willpower, different type of of mentality, and 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 it, it really is a good guy and a bad guy we're talking about here. But it's, um, it, it Stephen has everybody's best interests at heart, I think. And while while Doom is just Doom's really good at playing God. I don't want to see Doom repent. I don't want to see it. No, happen. he has. No, he's he's got to stay the course. He can't. No, the 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 last issue can't be. You know, I'm I'm sorry or forgive me or take the power back. It it's that that's not him. Yeah, he had his moment of weakness when he took off the mask with, with Sue. Yeah, no more. Don't do it again. Unless all of a sudden, right. you know, Stephen comes back and brings Mom with him. That that's not. But it's it's not something that Doom's. Pretty much, he's, he's, I, I don't see him wavering at all. Something seriously huge would have to happen for him to falter in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's hope it doesn't happen. I, I agree. And somebody give Reed a razor. Or <laughs> <laughs> crutches or something, man. Stand up straight. It's been like two issues now. You're still slumped over fucking someone else's shoulder. Well, I gave him last issue because he pretty much saw everything he cared for just taken away from and him. And I'm wondering if, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still trying to see look at his hands because I thought when he tried to reach for the other raft that, that, um, that Sue was on and, and I thought there was a force field that, that cut the tips of his fingers off, but I have yet to see his hands in, in the remaining issue. So I don't know if he's, you know, if he's, if the wound's been cauterized, it's just, it's the little things in the panel that I was like, I don't know if that was just a reaction or, or Ribic just being a little creative, but it looked like he, he because of he was reaching out and and the force field cut it that it looked like maybe he lost. And shout out to Ribic because <laughs> um, I mean the dude is 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 putting in the work. Not that he that's is. any surprise. That's why they picked him to do it. But um, for for as detailed and painterly a style as he has, um, 
I wouldn't have been surprised to see some of the middle issues start to show cracks in the armor in terms of feeling a little rushed. And halfway there, there has been no indication of that. It's yeah. It's been stunning from page to page. You got to give it up uh, for uh, Eve Sorcina too, because without him, this would just be pencils. You know, a lot of this work is a lot of the the joy for me of this work is in the color. Mm. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, it it, it it's I'm, a minor nit to me. I understand why they're doing it. It's a minor nit that that Doom and Valeria and Sue are dressed in the Future Foundation outfits. Oh, see, I like that though, because Doom's in white. So no, and I know it's white because they're like gods, and it's like we're but but I just I I, I don't yeah know. I know that's not, but then that's also that that I guess may also um psychologically make reminds you that this isn't a Fantastic Four story in in some way, and sure, it also alleviates us from having to look at the four in a damn square. That's- which, which it should well, never have like a put broken K or an L or something. It's, yeah, like reads the square yeah. on, on reads. It's it's bad. I don't like it. <laughs> Whatever. But no, I, they're doing great stuff. And I got a little bit of a, a, a guardian vibe when when um, Doom was when had when he had Scott up in the air from the back really quick. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like vindicated yeah. a little bit. So cool. Uh, great stuff. No doubt. Uh, very, very little uh, about which to complain, if mm-hmm. anything. It's just me picking nits because I love the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. So, all right, what are we going to move on to? What aren't we going to move on to, Vince? Damn. Well, you drive the bus. I do. Go ahead, drive it. Wow, uh, first time for everything, I guess. Oh my goodness, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh man, I'm trying to think where to, where to start. I, I've read, uh, I, I'm gonna do like a speed round, I think, because there's just too many things, but I'll start with, um, uh, the vo- second volume of Bandette, uh, Steelers oh, cool. Keepers. Okay. Um, by Paul Tobin and Colleen Coover, who I believe are husband and wife, right? Yes, they are. Yes. Uh, I spoke of this book when the first volume came out, and, uh, it, it, it is a, it is a webcomic uh, on Monkey Brain that uh, is now being printed by Dark Horse uh, in these beautiful, um, just kind of a, a little smaller than a, a regular sized comic, a little larger than a digest, but but beautiful hardcovers. Uh, and just as a reminder to people, Bandette is a it's it's just a fun loving, upbeat, very simple story. It's uh it's 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 very evocative of of Bon Dessinet of a European comic. She is a uh perky, charming, uh ever happy um uh thief. And she she makes her living as a thief, but at the same time she also manages to uh act as a hero um, a little bit of a Spider-Man vibe. I don't think most of the world thinks of her this way, but, but while she does steal things to live, um, she also, uh, fights the real big bad organ, crime organizations and, and, and keeps them at bay. Um, and it's just one of those things where it's almost like she's, um, almost like she's autistic in a way, in the sense that she, no matter what's happening to her, she's always smiling, making trite remarks um, it's almost as if inspect what Clouseau uh, actually was capable, right? 
she she almost stumbles her way to success as though she's not even trying. But clearly mm-hmm. she's trying because she's awesome at everything she does. Um, and uh, this is just, uh, again, the second collection, which takes her through. Um, she, she steals something from one of the big bads, and so he sets about trying to kill her with a number of different assassins. And, um, you know, so all the while she'll be, you know, fighting an assassin on a rooftop, and at the same time she'll be on her cell phone uh, flirting with her would-be boyfriend or making sure that uh, one of her friends is 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 making sure to be pet to pet and feed her cat. It's just very whimsical. Um, it, the you know Colleen Coover's art is um, it, it's it's in the Dan Parent school. It's very you know, it's, it would fit in in an Archie comic certainly. The colors are wonderful and uh, I just I love it. It's it's a palate cleanser. It's a fun upbeat quick read that's unlike anything else that I read and um, and it's it it's one of those books where there's more and more people that that are coming into the comics world in new ways, whether it be digitally or what have you. And, uh, you know, we keep hearing about how there's just a, a deluge of demand from new audiences like, uh, you know, younger, younger readers as well as, as, as young girls and, 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 uh, you know, teen and college age women. And this is a perfect book for them. It's an all ages book with a, with a, a very captivating, um, uh, you know, strong, successful female protagonist. And the book is very clean. It's, it's, you know, it's PG, if not G G rated for the most part, um, it's terrific. I, I I just think it's it's definitely worth reading, even if you're a forty year old man like like we are. But it's uh it's definitely something that would hit hit home for a lot of people that maybe wouldn't necessarily be drawn into the traditional superhero comic that we're you know we spend most of our time reading. So highly recommended. Again, this is Bandette, uh, Steelers Keepers. It's volume two and. Uh, uh, it uh, it's Dark Horse and and just by the way, if people weren't aware, Bandette won the Eisner last year for best digital comic, so it's good stuff. I'm gonna check that out. It's I really good. I think your daughter would like it. I think your daughter, the one that reads Alley, would love it a lot. Like I think she Mia. Yeah, Mia. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know if you wanted to put her name on on the air, dude. So you know. Ah, uh, she's gonna own us all someday. I look so. forward to it. Nice. Yeah, she'll she'll be good to you. She'll be a benevolent role. Oh, good. We need one of those. Nice. What else do we have? I mean, I, all my, all, a lot of the stuff I read happened to be about the ladies. This was a ladies' week for me. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you guys want to talk about that image book you both read? Well, did which, uh, which one? Did you read the new Brian K. Vaughan joint and Steve? Uh, yes. Okay. So. Steve. Yeah. Steve Scrooge. Yeah, I, I think Jason and I will be the two that enjoyed it. And there'll be the one lone voice. Oh, you didn't like it, Vince? Nah. But go ahead. Don't let me stop you. I, uh, I, visually, it was fantastic. Um, it, it started off strong, uh, real strong. Uh, then you, it, it's, it's basically, it's, it's an us versus them. Uh, it's, it's some Canadians trying to, uh, make sure that, um, they, they survive. I, I, the best part of the issue for me really was the whole, um, was the Superman tattoo reveal and, and the, uh, <laughs> and explaining how, how Superman is, is Canadian and, uh, and when he goes to Metropolis, that's, that's, uh, that's the USA and, and it, it's, it, we stand on guard is, um, is, is set a few years in the future. Uh, they're, um, 
we find out that Canada is attacked and, um, we are met with, uh, we end up meeting a, a band of, I don't want to call them rebels, soldiers somewhat. I mean, not, not really even soldiers because one dude's an actor. Uh, it, it's freedom it's, fighters. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Literally a ragtag group of, of freedom fighters and, um, like Red Dawn. Wolverines. Yes. Very much so. Uh, the dude who, uh, um, I was kind of hoping to get attached to it. I didn't, uh, because I couldn't. Uh, there was, um, it, this is, uh, Steve's return to, uh, sequential work. He has not worked in, uh, comics for a while, um, doing, uh, storyboarding and, and, and making the big bucks. So he decided to, uh, I guess Vaughn enticed him to come back to, uh, to comic books. It, it looks, it really does look great. And I, I, I like Vaughn and, and, uh, I gave it a shot because of, actually because of the creative team. It, it's, it, it wasn't a, uh, I, I liked it. I, I, I'm not sure why it didn't. I'll, um, Jace could probably explain the book better, but I just, I, I, for a first issue, I thought it was a, uh, it was a really good setup. Uh, I, I like the characters, um, and, and I'm interested to see where we're going from here. This, this doesn't feel like a, a long form ongoing book. It, it kind of, I, I get the sense that there will be an ending. Um, whether it works out with the Canadians or, or not, I, I don't know. But I mean, as far as how it starts off, uh, I'm along for the ride for now. So I, I it, and, and for whatever reason, it, it didn't really, it felt more like a Dark Horse book than an image book. I had to keep checking to see that it, it was actually, that, that an image published it. And, uh, it just, it's a good first issue. It just didn't feel the same way other first issues from image, like they're not like us or, or starve or, well, going back to saga, it didn't kind of feel, it didn't have that feeling to me. Um, but I thought it was still a, uh, a good first issue. You you summed it up. I I don't. You you're coming at this from the exact same angle I am. I I, I think that uh, in a way I think this book may be a victim of BKV's stunning success to this point. Uh, in the sense that we're only an issue in, so you certainly can't can't lay judgment on one issue when you're talking about a. a Brian K. Vaughn property, but that said, since we only have one issue to go on, um, I'm with you. I thought it was a good issue. I enjoyed it, but it's, it's, it was, it was a good issue. It was, I mean, I didn't come away from the issue with my jaw on the floor or saying to myself, I can't wait to see what happens like I did, frankly, with Saga or with why or you know, it's just, so to me, the first issue doesn't leave me thinking this is going to be a legendary series. But I dug it. I dug it for what it was. Um, I, I love the idea that the U.S. would invade Canada and essentially because we run out of water and we need the yes. resources because yes. Canada has a, an abundance of natural source. And I genuinely don't think that is that far-fetched outcome. I don't think it will happen in, in, in the next 10 years, but I think in our grandchildren's lifetimes we could very well take over or try to take over other parts of the world for, for natural resources. And by the way, so will China. Uh, in Russia. So, uh, I think that's very real. Uh, so I love that. Um, 
you know, Scrochy from an art perspective definitely to me seemed to be evoking a combination of Red Dawn, uh, from, you know, the, the film that I, oh, actually, I guess it was remade now that I think it about was, it with, yeah. uh, with, our, with our boy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, I was thinking the original, but, but also, and then Star Wars, I mean, you know, the, the thing they take out is essentially an ad at. I mean, yes, so, yeah. um, I mean, it was very reminiscent of that scene on Hoth when they're trying to scale up the AT-AT and trip it and cause it to collapse. So, um, but no, I dug it. I, I like the, 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 the protagonist that we're introduced to. She's definitely, you can tell she's going to have an interesting backstory and there's going to be more to her than meets the eye. Um, so yeah, I, I would give it, a, it's, it was a solid first issue, but I'm with you, David. I, I don't think if I were to sit here and make a list of the, the five or six, you know, new number ones that I've seen from Image in the last month or two, it probably wouldn't wouldn't be in that list. It's I love Image, so even a middling Image book is something I'm generally going to enjoy. But I don't, I didn't come away with this thinking, wow, this is going to be an eleven o'clocker type of contender. But it's only one issue, so I think isn't this a mini series? I think it is, right? Okay, no, if, oh shoot, you know what? Let me look up the cover. It may very well be. If if it's not, then I'll I'll totally retract what I'm saying because he he's a great long form storyteller. But if it is a mini series, then I, I'll I'll look to see if if the second issue really really hooks me, right? Yes. Uh, no, now, I, Vince, I tell us just if 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 you want to what what you didn't like about it. Is it just because it wasn't special in your mind, or? No, I think visually it's it's great. Um, I see a little bit of Chris Weston going on in in, yeah, in Scrooge's yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 without a doubt. And Scrooge hasn't done they... comics in a long time, but he for for some of our listeners that may be younger, he he did a lot of comics. It's just he hasn't oh, yeah. been at it for a long while. I thought the character designs were great. The costumes are are really neat. The mech is is pretty cool. Matt Hollingsworth on colors killed it. Mm-hmm. See, that was the one part that I didn't... Really? Yeah, I think Maybe the colors are... Maybe it was PDF little, then. I think the colors are a little too plain. I think, I, think on, I think on paper it might pop. A little too muted for me. There's a lot of blue in this. And I mean, and, and of course it should be because they're in, uh, the, 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 you know, the deeps of, of Canada. It's, there's snow everywhere. You're gonna have a lot of cool colors. I don't know. I just, story-wise, it just bored me. I, 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 I was on autopilot for the whole thing. There was really nothing about the issue that just made me, captured my attention anything more, any, any more than the panel that came before. It was just, I don't know, there was nothing, there wasn't any electricity to this thing for me. I'm not saying okay. it's bad, it just didn't, it didn't capture my attention. On a, on a significant, uh, to a significant degree, it was just there. And, and the Western remark the, is so on the money. Yeah, the best part of the issue, I, I love the cover. I think the cover's great. The designs are smoking. Like I said, the mech is is really cool. It's just that uh, it, it's it's not for me. I mean, there's 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 got bound to be a book here and there that just doesn't doesn't uh, inspire. And this one just just didn't. Uh, I don't really care about the characters. So, I don't know. I hate to be a downer. It just didn't do anything for me. Didn't do it. That, that's not a condemnation of the work saying that it's bad. It just didn't, didn't do anything for me. Such a hater, Vince. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can got we, something. can we, oh, okay, go ahead. 
No, can we what? We can I was just going to say, else. can we just stick real quick on the on the image train because there sure. was an issue that uh, I was super stoked about that came out. What is this? Uh, I believe it came out today. Star of number two. Yes, I believe it is today. And you read it, right, David? I did read it. I did read it, and I thought oh, you didn't it like was. It? No, I I thought it was better than the first issue. I agree. It is, and I love the first issue. I yeah, it's 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 one of those instances where I believe the the second issue was much. And now the second issue needed the first, but it uh, it was a much stronger, much I'll say much better issue. And that that's without the whole dog thing. I I thought the second issue was much better than the first. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, our our man Crookshank is in business now. He's agreed to do the show, the Starve show. His his arch nemesis is the producer of the show and doesn't want him to come on the show, but essentially they say, dude, it's happening. He's got it, do yeah. it. So he says, well, wait a minute, though. I'm still in charge of the show. I get to make up the contests. I get to, to handle the scheduling, right? And they said, yeah, you do you, boo. You know, you're, the ratings are great, so you have all that. So he tries to pull a gank move on Gavin because yeah. he knows that Gavin is prone to partying and is probably out. And he sets the the first taping of the first episode of this cooking competition to be immediately where he calls everyone. But Gavin is a badass and he and his, uh, his, his boy Friday, uh, get there and in time to hear the challenge. And the challenge is the first ingredient that they have to cook on this televised show is bluefin tuna. Yeah. And for some reason, bluefin tuna has become the hardest to obtain food on the earth. It's government regulated and some even believe it's, it's on the verge of, if not ex- extinct, ceasing to exist. And so essentially procuring it is akin to procuring like, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, perfect diamonds or, yeah. or, uh, you know, like a Mona Lisa. It's, it's really, it was very, very difficult if next to impossible. But Gavin, by combination of being considered the world's greatest chef and having connections in the, the seedier parts of the world, because that's where he spent his last bunch of years, um, you know, he manages to secure an entire bluefin tuna and basically shoves the, the shoves, he, he crushes the contest and, and, yeah. and much to the chagrin of this producer who's trying to sabotage him. And probably and I, judges. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's just, you know, this book, it really does remind me from a, of, uh, a, a vibe sense. And I think you didn't necessarily agree with me when I brought this up last week, last issue. It does remind me in a way of transmit. That, that counterculture, um, mode where this guy is, is, is lived a very conventional life and been successful, but now he's much more at home because he's, he's abandoned all of these trappings. And I think Crookshank is, is just a fascinating, well executed character. I love the idea. And I, I think what I'd love to hear some feedback on from our listeners is if anyone else is reading this, do they love it? And if they do, are they as into food culture and food celebrity as David and I are. Because admittedly we we're into that, right? We we love yes. shows like Chopped and Top Chef and and all that. And it's, so I'm I get into that. I, I think it's that fascinates me. So the idea that that kind of hero worship would be taken to this crazy level in the future and then turned on its head, I I, I that is a hook for me. See, if you're not I, into food celebrity, I wonder if this book is just boring as crap to you. I don't know. Maybe that's the case. But I would love to hear if there are people that love this book that necessarily aren't foodies or, or food fans of chefs I, that I'm curious about. But being one, I, I just think this is awesome. I, totally I, I, unexpected book. I think it's it, seeing Shannon follow Crookshank around. And, and Shannon's goal is, is to basically 
keep get keep Gavin in check. Make sure he doesn't stray. He's got to make it to the show, and he's got to make sure that you know he's he's upright when he gets to the show. But he he basically you know comes clean with Gavin in this issue, and and is just like you know I I think you are the best thing since the Beatles, and and you just there is nothing you Gavin can do no wrong. In Shannon's eyes, and I'm like that. That would be me as if I was following around Richard Blaze or someone. It's just or uh, Alton Brown. I just you know, it's like I'm whatever you want to feed me, whatever you want to do to me for me, whatever I'm I'm there. And and I and and there are just there are little things where, um, you know, Gavin went back and worked in a kitchen. He became a line chef for for yeah. for one for one night, and he cooked thirty steaks. For for uh, for Dinah's customers that night, and and he, he finally perfected it, and that's what he and Shannon are going to eat tonight. Now he's like, now I'm gonna. There's 20 hours until taping, and I am going to sleep for half of that, and then that's when the phone rings, and Roman's like, nope, your ass is on the line now, so you better get to the studio. Um, Angie's there, and and she, you know, she's got her dad's back, and and you know, unbeknownst to mom. Um, the, I, I, this, this issue moved quick because this was pretty much, we, we kick off with, uh, Gavin taking Shannon into New York City and, and Manhattan and, and just basically listen, you know, this, this is where we're going to go. We're going to drink. We're going to eat. Uh, we're going to try to be merry and, and we're just going to have a blast until I have to do my shit at the show. Uh, but the partying happens quickly in the first few pages, and then we're at the show, and then then we kind of have to slow it down because now we're being told, listen, this is this is the way the world is, and 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 the whole thing about the bluefin, and you know, th- this is th- this reminds me of um, the movie The Freshman with, with Matthew Broderick and one of Matt Marlon Brando's last movies, where you know, it, and and there was the whole thing with. Um, there were there were rich people who were trying to eat um basically proteins of endangered animals you know whether it was like the last uh kimono dragon or or anything like you know they but the whole i mean the the joke was on the people paying for all this but um it that remind the few pages in Starb Number Two reminded me of that movie, um, but you know Gavin went extremely simple, and and the whole setup with the when 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 you're looking at the the pages and the panel layout when we're in the studio and we have the audience and and seeing their reactions and um, it it feels very much like um, a Top Chef finale with all the lights and the stage and uh, just the um, the fanfare and. Uh, to see Gavin, you know, do a very simple dish, literally an extremely simple dish, uh, call time and serve his meal to, uh, to the judges. Um, and then, you know, it's not just, they don't, they're not, they are not judging the food on only its presentation and, and its taste, but Gavin is, kind of putting them in their place about the whole thing and uh flipped the script in a way and and it uh it it worked in his favor but he uh he's 
as much as it is Roman's show and, and he's trying to put Gavin in his place, Gavin is really running things. And, um, I, I, obviously the man has a plan and, and he knows what he wants to do, uh, whether he wants to burn the whole thing down to the ground or, or whatever. Um, I, I'm not looking forward to, to the, to the time where he is, he thinks he is on top and has the upper hand only to have it, uh, be taken from him either by his ex-wife or by Roman or someone else. I'm going to kind of cringe when that happens because I, I do like the character. I like Gavin and I, I, I don't want, I'm rooting for him, but in the nature of these stories, he's going to stumble and, and it's going to cause me to cringe. But that's, that's because of the, of the work that, um, that would and, um, Damn it! Why I, I had his last name right at the tip of my tongue. Zelf. Th- thank you. Uh, I knew it was a Z, but yes, yeah, so I. But that's only because of of the work they're putting on the page that I, I now I'm invested. So, um, no, it was it, it was an extremely well done second issue. And and if you you were on the fence and you weren't sure after reading the first issue, uh, how you'd feel, I I I would definitely tell you to give the second issue a shot. And and if at that point you don't feel like this is something for you. Um, then that's cool. I, I understand you wanting to step away from it, but I, I, I think the second issue is, is really where they, uh, they put their foot down and said, this is where we're going with it. I, I thought it was a great issue. Absolutely. The People bo- need to be there on that. There he is. There he is. <laughs> well, and why? What do you mean? I didn't think you were there. Oh, yeah, no. I wanted to give my man a chance to, uh, Pontificate. Shut up. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, but the, the cool thing about Star, too, from my perspective is, um, uh, just a little aside here, our good buddy, uh, Ron Richards, who's been on the show many times, uh, and was, uh, one of the big wigs at Image for two and a half years, as we've talked about, has left Image. And he recently, uh, rejoined, uh, what made him famous, the iFanboy podcast. He's been back on the last two weeks. It's been great. Uh, and in his first week back, he did a once and done Q and A where people got to ask him questions about the industry and image and, uh, kind of took a peek behind, um, the scenes. And one of the interesting topics of conversation was, uh, someone asked if it's fair to say that whereas image used to be one of the hotbeds for discovering new talent in the industry, it seems as though those days are gone. Because Image is now such a haven for proven talents to come back and do creator own to make a, a decent uh, bit of, of coin. And Ron acknowledged that to be the case. He said, well, it's not totally the case. It's certainly much harder now to break out an Image because there's so many high-profile creators there. Uh, and so that's what I love about Starve. I think it's great that that uh, you have a book like this that wasn't highly touted in the Image Expo. It wasn't something that everybody was clamoring for beforehand and uh, kind of snuck up on us and, and it's just been off the charts two issues in. So, Cool. Now, Vince, t- get into what you have taken copious notes on. Well, I don't have copious notes on this <gasps> one but because I, I don't oh. know if you both read it or not. Mm. Did did no. either of you read Red Skull number one? No. No. Oh, I, I didn't. Oh. Like All right. You want me to give you the lowdown? Yeah, that's totally fine. Without without spoiling no, anything. Go ahead. 
uh, was written by Joshua Williamson, art by Luca Pizzari, and the color artist is Rainier Beredo. Mm-hmm. The premise is really cool. Uh, Electro is flapping his gums uh, in a bar. I guess uh, Doom does not take kindly to anyone who passes through borders right. in, in, in this new world. And Electro has done just that. That's a big crime uh, for which Electro soon pays because someone comes into the bar with guns blazing, just obliterates everybody around Electro, takes him, snaps an inhibitor collar on him, throws him in this souped up flying paddy wagon. It's Crossbones. Oh. And Crossbone says, well, he doesn't have the mask on when he comes into the bar, but he puts it on later. Um, Crossbones tells Electro, who now finds himself a member of a group consisting of Magneto, Moonstone, Jack-O-Lantern, Lady Deathstrike, and Bucky Barnes. All these people have committed crimes against Doom of, of, of many sorts. Uh, like Jack-O-Lantern was a terrorist and blew up one of the buildings. Uh, Lady Deathstrike killed a couple of Thors. Um, and so all these people have debts to pay to Doom. And he's come to collect on them. He wants them to go beyond the shield because the Red Skull or the concept of the Red Skull is stirring up some rebellion within his his uh, land, and he wants them to either bring back evidence that the Red Skull is dead or kill him themselves. And they're all like, Crossbones, WTF. Like, you were the, at one time the Red Skull's biggest supporter. Why are you doing this? And he's like, I'm with Doom now. So that... That remains to be seen if, if Crossbones is on the up and up here. So, but the, the, the meat of the story is they, they get out and they're, they're, they're thrown beyond the shield. And what happens? The Marvel zombies attack. Oh, <laughs> they go into the Deadlands and Electro is killed by Electro. <laughs> o- old, old lightning bolt mask, goof, goofy Electro rips the, the, the shoulder out of, of, it looks like Ultimate Electro to me. Um, there's zombie versions of Baron Mordo, um, Ms. Marvel, uh, it looks like the, um, Shocker's in there, the Goblin, friggin', uh, Puma has a zombie version, uh, let me see, it looks also like maybe Iron Fist, you can't really tell because they're all rotting, but he has like, oh, Bullseye, there's a zombie Bullseye. Um, brother voodoo and anyway so the team gets decimated I'm not going to say who lives who who gets bit whatever they get decimated in this first issue which leads me it's open ended as to where this thing is going last page has a little bit of a there's a kicker on the last page to make you read issue 2 and I'm going to do that Luco Pizzari's art oh my goodness it's amazing Luca sorry uh, just rich, inky, scratchy, rugged blacks. I mean, this is a dark book, and justifiably so. They're going into the Deadlands. You have zombies. It's not going to be, you know, clean line, all sunshine and, and puppies. It's 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 a nasty, vicious book. I thought it was great, but it was a, it was it was a quick read. It's it's one of those books that's fueled with adrenaline. The setup is there. They go into battle. The door opens on issue number two. It, it's a no-brainer. Hmm. I think you guys will you'll like it. There, there's one I, I have to let this go because I will spoil one thing. Jack O'Lantern gets killed. 
big deal, right? Yeah, good riddance, but, bad rubbish. But as the zombies are eating him, one of them says, just like the pumpkin pie my granny used to make, his head, yeah. the top of his head is lopped off. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is fun. This is so much fun to me. But, I mean, I got a ton of stuff. I do want to talk about one miniseries. It, it's not a recent thing. Uh, it was, I, let's see, I don't remember when it was published, but it was collected into a hardcover. And I recently bought the hardcover. Um, how this miniseries escaped me is, is beyond it's my seriously. ability. Uh, I, I know I read it and I, I, I may not have talked about it, but it, I would have recommended it. Yeah. Now, let's be honest. In our lifetimes to date, <laughs> we have consumed a shit ton of miniseries from Marvel. Yes. yes. This has to be one of the most enjoyable miniseries I've ever read from Marvel. And I recently read it. Like, why didn't I get this thing when it was coming out? It was written by Christos Gage. That's a good sign, right? Yes. Illustrated by Mario Alberti. And a very simple title, Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four. Okay? It's, it's amazing. It's it's all centers around Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom has an agenda, and he's hopping through time to achieve it. The first issue takes place not long after um, a blind man shall lead them. What was that? Fantastic Four thirty nine forty around there. Remember, Daredevil helps the Fantastic Four against Doctor Doom, yes. right? Um, so it, it's right after the events of that. The Fantastic Four are still butt hurt about you know what Doom did. Um, and they're called to Empire State University where Thunderbolt Ross is standing there with Dr. Doom. So they are pissed. They're like, what the fuck? We just, we just threw down with this guy. And now what do you want? The, the guy they battled so recently with, he's puffing his chest out on American soil. They are mad. And Thunderbolt Ross tells them, this is important. Empire State U is, is holding a conference of world leaders. Uh, a disarmament, uh, non-aggression, sorry, not, not disarmament, non-aggression treaties. And, and Doom is here to represent Latveria. He, he wants to sign this non-aggression treaty. And they're like, so what do you want us to do? They have to provide security <laughs> for Dr. Doom. And, hmm. and I'm telling you, the, the one-liners fly like fast and furious. This is where do, the Christos Gage really won me over. Um, especially with Johnny, right? Johnny gets really pissed and and calls Doom a bunch of names. He insults him. No one insults Doom. And they make Johnny apologize. And Sue's like, Johnny, just do it, right? So Johnny says, sorry. And the the, the text is written, written really small, you know, like begrudgingly. Yeah, he's doing it. He's going to take one for the team. And Doom says, weak, but accepted. My recording mm-hmm. of this of this moment shall lead Latveria's evening newscast. Forever. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> shit. <laughs> Forever. So it's like, oh shit. But, um, so, uh, they're, they're providing security for Fantastic Four. Now we're at ESU. So taking into account the academic setting, who else pops up? Who are we gonna run into at ESU? Peter Parker. Right! Peter Parker. Who arrives just in time to squelch an attack on Doom by a very pissed off former partner. Now who would that be? A former partner of Doom's. Some the uh, tinkerer. 
No, Submariner. <laughs> Submariner is pissed. And he has brought a gigantic Leviathan with him. I don't know how the Leviathan managed to get up on land without breaking everything in its path, but it does. Subby's pissed that his one-time partner betrayed him. And Doom, in the, the, the confusion, switches bodies with Johnny. They put Doom in a safe room. Get in there. We can't have you out, you know, getting in harm's way. And Johnny's the one in front of him. And you see this, this line coming from Doom's eye with all this woo. So he switches bodies with Johnny. You remember the arcane shit. Doom is not only a master of science, but he's master of magic too. So he's, he switches bodies with, with Johnny. Why? What was this? Why is this whole, what was the point of this whole thing? Just to piss off Fantastic Four, just to make, you know, or, or Namer. No. Doom wanted access to the Latvian embassy. What's in the Latvian embassy? I'm not going to say. That's why he did it. But issue two, it goes into a different time period. Each issue. Of the Fantastic. Yeah, each issue does. Uh, issue two takes place right after Secret Wars, the original Secret Wars. Reed's got the alien symbiote in the tube in the Baxter building. He's studying the shit out of it, right? Um, Doom pops back, uses the time machine to pop back, and he frees the symbiote. First it takes over Reed, then She-Hulk, who was a member of the FF at the time. You need to see Alberti's uh, Jennifer. Oh, my God. Gorgeous. She's popping out of her shirt. She doesn't have the the um, the FF costume on. She's got civvies, and she's popping out. She's all... Oh, but And then the, the symbiote takes over Susie, but there's one person that the symbiote wants out of all of Fantastic Four. Who do you think that is? Susie. No, Franklin. If the mm-hmm. symbiote gets a hold of Franklin, oh my God. Hells to but the again, again, it's all a ruse. Mm-hmm. That's not the important thing. The important thing is something Doom wants. And I won't say. Um, issue three is really cool. Still milking. Fantastic Four 347 to 349, where Simonson introduced a new Fantastic Four, the team of the Grey Hulk, Ghost Rider, Wolverine, and Spider-Man. Remember they fought the, the Mole Man and that, that Skrull, um, Delilah. Remember? They're, they're classic issues, right? So this sure. takes place, right, you, seriously? They take, it takes place right after the dust settles on that. The Mole Man's going back underground. He's got the Technodroid with him. Delilah's imprisoned. Everybody thinks everything's cool. Doom Freezer and all hell breaks loose. She's got that, that, um, love stare or whatever. She bedazzles all the men, most of the men. The Spider-Man was looking away and Ghost Rider really doesn't care about love and all the women are not prone to it. But the thing, the Hulk, Torch, Mr. Fantastic and Wolverine all go ape shit and start beating the crap out of each other. Again, what's the point? Why is Doom doing all this? When it all comes home in the last issue where we find out why Doom was doing all this, he invades the Baxter building. His plan is revealed. There are ties to Amazing Spider-Man number one. <laughs> what if, what if number one, the Venom Bomb storyline that Bendis did, right? I think it was Bendis in, in, uh, Mighty Avengers. Remember the Venom Bomb thing? Yes, absolutely. Secret Wars slots run on the thing has ties to this heroes reborn a ton of issues of the fantastic four this thing is amazing you got to read it and and uh, issue three but especially issue four there's some really heartfelt 
back and forth between not only Reed Richards and Spider-Man, but Sue as well. It's a really cool story. And it's it's not just a you know a throwaway. Every issue connects to the next one. There's a reason why Doom is doing all this, and it 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 just tickles the heartstrings of anybody who's been reading Marvel comics for more than like say ten years. Right. It's it's a great series, and Alberti's art. Oh my goodness. Um, little bit of um, it's it's very European. It's not a little bit. It's very European. Um, and the I remember some there, Kaluta. Yeah, it, there's there's an air Kaluta. You're right. You're right. Um, a little Scott Collins going on yeah. here and there, but um, the line is so fluid. It's amazing. Uh, I would say, and most people would scoff, but in, as far as approach, there's a little bit of Corbin in there too. He's not entirely fussy with human anatomy. He'll stretch it, bend it. Tweak it mm-hmm. to fit fit his composition. Uh, it's, it's just an amazing, amazing series. Yeah, and but there's other stuff in this book too um, that I didn't read because I was just so bamboozled by the the um, the main story. You get Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man 42, um, where Deb Whitman cries, oh. and, uh, and that, that's, wait, <laughs> what, what else, doesn't she? What else is Deb Whitman in her tears? And I think you get a um, yes, you get Fantastic Four two eighteen, which was written by oh, was, Matt Lowe. Was yeah. And no, it was Byrne and Sinnott drew it. Oh, drew it. Yes, but that was yeah, 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 that was yeah. before he took over. Right, and you get like pencil pages of Alberti stuff. He's very um, gestural in his pencils. He leaves a lot uh, for the inking stage, which I like to see. I like to see the guys with the confidence to just. You know, do a, do do a blob for a machine and then just suss it all out in the inking. Plus, there's a couple pages that did not appear in the original miniseries. This is fantastic, and even better. You know how Marvel, like I said last week, blows out their hardcovers. I got think this thing for like six bucks. Where are you going? A premier Marvel hardcover for six bucks? Scour yep. your local comic book stores because the Marvel books are flooding in. And this was just, you know, a list of all-time favorite miniseries. This one's on it. I don't know where, but it's on it. Because this was, this was just, and his Susie. Oh, good God. Yeah. And as each issue changes the time period, Susie's hairstyle changes too. Of course. She's got that, the one where, you know, the traditional uh, early FF where it was kind of like a boof doof yeah. And then she's got this shorn sides with the, the like the, the mama punk rocker thing going on later on. It's just great. Beautiful stuff. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, Gus. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful headbutt. Yeah. By the way, just a quick uh, little interstitial, because you mentioned Josh Williamson. One of the many, many things I read uh, while on vacation was the second volume of Nailbiter, which is uh, his image book uh, written by him and uh, drawn by Mike Henderson. Um, it's a sick book. You would love it, Vince. It's nasty. I gotta get on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's nasty. I, I don't, I won't get too far into it, but I just will say it's, it's crazy shit happening again. It's, it's, it's a story of this place, uh, Buckaroo, Oregon, where 16 serial killers have come from this town, uh, over the years. And, uh, uh, the aforementioned nail biter, the titular name is somewhat like a Hannibal Lecter. He's, he's a, he's, he's a recently, uh, tried, but, um, but acquitted, Serial killer who has a, ten- a tendency to the fingers off of his victims, 
Um, but uh, through legal maneuverings, he's back in this town of Buckaroo, uh, a free man and uh, a guy who was uh, hell bent on figuring out what was going on in Buckaroo. Um, uh, an FBI profiler uh, goes missing, and so one of his best friends, who's an NSA agent, uh, comes to uh, the town to figure out why he's missing and what happened. But this NSA agent is actually on suspension for uh, beating a uh, a interrogate uh, beating a uh, a person that he was interrogating to death. So he's got some baggage too, and uh, it's 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 just uh, it's it's been crazy so far. And, and in the second volume, uh, we get a look into at least for a panel or two what may be going on in the town and why it's created so many freaks. Um, so it's just been a it's been a really fun. Fun series, and uh, Williamson uh, is, is is doing an awesome job, and, and Henderson has never looked better. So, cool. What number is that on? Now? Oh, you're reading it in collective editions. Yeah, I don't. Um, this, I mean, the, the the second volume, I think, takes us through the twelfth issue, um, mm. but I'm not sure. You know, Image is pretty good about getting uh, books out. I'm sorry, the tenth issue. So it's five issues a trade. So, but I'm pretty sure they're on issues twelve or thirteen at this point. So, cool. yeah, they've been very consistent with it. It's been a monthly thing. I, and I should just say one crazy moment in the book is that uh, Brian Michael Bendis appears, like <laughs> as himself <laughs> in the he's, in he's, the book. He's, yeah, he's come to Buckaroo to uh, to essentially learn about the town because he's doing something in a comic about serial killers. So he comes and he wants to start, and he starts pestering people in the town. That's awesome. And, uh, and, and uh, some some very interesting things happen to him, but I'll I'll leave that for the reader. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So are are we not going to talk about Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies? Well, I don't think Jason wants to. You and I can, Vince. Uh, you can. I mean, it was way down on my list, but I mean, <laughs> and I saw. I'm looking at David's. David's uh, notes on Facebook that he took, and I don't see it high up on that list either. But, but no, well, know. okay. See, all right, for for this for this photo, um, the little dot next to the title that's up above the title means it was rated highly. The little bar in the middle <laughs> means it was in the middle, and the little down arrow means yeah, it didn't really rate. And then Deathstroke just didn't even. Father, so why does it not surprise me that you have a system? <laughs> because I have, because because there are no notes on and with this, it's just it, it's what I thought about it when I read it. <laughs> but no, Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies has the little little dot towards the up, so it's it's no, it was I I, I enjoyed the issue. It was it was one of the uh, it was different than other Battle World slash. Yeah. Wars tie-ins, uh, especially with the whole um, old-timey Hank Pym thing, um, that felt weird. But the 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 last page was was great, um, and I didn't. Um, you know, the the Pugart was 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 solid, um, and it's oh, it's that. it's Robinson that uh, you know same dude who's writing Vince's favorite book, Air Boy. So it's it's a uh, <laughs> you know I, I no I I. I, I may not have loved it as much as Vince did, but I, I I did like the issue. I enjoyed it immensely because you know my love for the Marvel zombies, right? I I thought the carnage up until the last page was fantastic, and if um I, I don't know if this surprises anybody, but 
I subsist on a lot of below the belt stuff. Like the, the, the visceral rush that I get from watching Marvel characters rip the crap out of each other. That's usually enough for me, but the last page kicked the book into high gear for me. Because I just read the damn West Coast Avengers. That is true, yeah. See that? So, so that's, that's one of those right time, right place things. So if, if somebody who isn't so in love with the West Coast Avengers right now, um, they might have got to the end of the issue and been like, oh, great. It's, it's a Hank Pym book. I could have done without that in Secret Wars. Right. But, but it, and it preys upon one of the, um, mind boggling aspects of the Marvel Universe, the trio of the vision. Jim Hammond, the original uh, Human Torch. And, and Wonder Man, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, it could have just been just a zombie romp, which would have been cool. Like, the, you have the cold steel of the Ultron. Because seriously, I mean, in, in versus, Marvel Zombies versus Ultron, there's really only one clear winner with that. It's kind of a lopsided battle. Right. And you didn't read the Red Skull, but if now that I'm looking at this, some of the zombies in the Red Skull are the same as uh, they are in this Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies. So I'm guessing maybe there's a list of zombies that they handed around that all these people can use. It's right. Because, it's just, yeah, because Bullseye's in there, and, you know, it, they're pretty much a, the same group of zombies. And I don't remember seeing Bullseye. So did was, um, was Dr. Octopus or Juggernaut in Red Skull or Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies because they faced Elsa in the Marvel Zombies yeah, I, book. I think Juggernaut was. But he wasn't, yeah. but he, he wasn't killed, right? Cause that's what Elsa did. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, you're right. There, there probably is, you know, this and these are the Marvel zombies, but you can't kill him because <laughs> Robinson can't kill him because, uh, who the hell was it? Spur- who the hell wrote the, uh, was it Spurrier? Who wrote the uh, Marvel zombies book? But anyway, so, you know, they just, I think it's Simon Spurrier, yeah. yeah. I, which I think that's awesome because you have the Deadlands and how many you could have multiple versions because of the different universes because of the multiverse you can have yeah. multiple zombies of the same character but if it's the same juggernaut that Elsa just killed he can't show up later in Red Skull or in Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies just because right. that makes no sense. And how about that double page? When all the, the heroes are throwing down against the Ultrons, that's, it's flawless. That, that spread is flawless. It's beautiful. And it looks like Garfi's work to me. It doesn't look like, uh, Pew. I mean, obviously he penciled it, but doesn't that look like Garvey? Yeah, a little bit. Especially, especially in the Hulk. And I, I think that that spread is just phenomenal. There's so much going on there. I, I re, oh, well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, Garvey did the flashback, so, um. Oh, look at me, I'm yes. stupid, no wonder yeah, it looks why, like Garvey. Gar- yes, that, that's why, yeah, that one, I, I was, I was at the earlier one with the title page, but yeah, those, um, pages, yeah, Garney, Garney did do the flashbacks, yeah. damn. Yeah. Um. I'm such an idiot. Uh, why did I not see you that? Were, you were absorbed, man, you were, you were in it. I think it is, once we got past the first week, and all of the, the, we'll call them recap pages, but all of the intro pages, uh, were pretty much all static where it, the credits for the issue and every yeah. into a domain that's, you know, ruled by 
but this one with the whole scrawled on on a napkin or whatever the hell it is, I th- I I love how they've gotten creative with with the intro pages as as the weeks have gone on. Whether it's the whole map with with battle with um uh with the ghost racers or uh or Planet Hulk, it, but this one pops out at me. Weird Worlds was great. It, it's yeah. they there, there's a confidence to these books. That, 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 it's palpable. You can, you can feel how, I, I don't know if it's the excitement the creative teams are feeling, but it's whatever, whatever is going on at Marvel right now is being translated into the work because these books feel very assured. It's, it doesn't seem to me like, hey, let's just try this. If it works, it works. Or it, it seems like going in that these creators are, are confident that the, this is going to be an awesome story. Yeah, no, they're just, they're, there's nothing to lose. I, I'm going to tell this story with these characters because this is it. You know, whatever happens once Secret Wars 8 comes out and however it ends and, and we get to the new, all new Marvel or whatever, they pretty much have the free reign to do whatever they want with these characters. And, and yeah. It, it's, yeah, if, if I want to have this version of Captain America do this, then damn it, I'm going to do it. You know, if, if I want Captain Marvel to, I read, Captain Marvel and, and the Carol Corps and, and it was a different Carol Danvers than I'm used to reading. Um, I enjoyed the, the Carol Corps more than I think I enjoyed Captain Marvel, but that, that was another one that, that felt different than, than the other Secret Wars books. But I mean, as far as, um, Ultron versus Zombies, I, I thought this was, uh, this was one that I, I didn't know what to expect. And, and as I'm reading it, I, um, it, I mean, Pugh's art looks different than it did on, uh, Invaders. But it's, yeah. it's still solid work and, and it was, um. It looks more like Animal Man Pugh. Okay. Yeah, see, I was, yeah. I was thinking, I mean, this is something that like, I, I see it much, on an Alan Moore comic book. Much, much more detailed than his work on Animal Man, but still. Uh, yeah. It, it's. And he draws a smoke in Tigra. Yeah. Better than how yeah. it The, uh, the, the, oh, yeah. Dick, 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 dick. Oh, not really? Agree, but, <laughs> so, did, did, uh, anyway, um, and, and poor Stilt Man. No one shed a tear. Of course not. No one. Still Man. <laughs> Stilt Man sucks. Seriously. Uh, okay, um, Jason. <laughs> yes. I need a mo, I need a little bit of clarification from you. Uh huh. When I said FF three forty seven to three forty nine, do you not like those issues? Or I just I was under the impression by I don't know you made a sound or you said something that you didn't like those. Wait, what do you mean I made a sound? You just there was a, a response that I didn't understand. Wait, there was. Yeah, kinda. Did you did you, did you like those or? Yeah, but I, I didn't. Mean, wait, I, I, but I honestly don't remember responding to any. Oh, okay. Yeah. But because I'm thinking Art Adams, how could you not like? Yeah, them? no, no, no. I didn't have it. No, I wait. Are you sure? Yeah, I know. Sure, that wasn't David like like burping or something. Adam? It could have been. That's he great. That's, he could have farted. Hey, classy. Yeah. <laughs> Dude <laughs> makes so much noise. I forget <laughs> where. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm gonna type something. The fuck out of here! With your shit. <laughs> oh, now I'm now I'm special needs. <laughs> That's amazing. There you go. Oh, that's it's dumb me down. You're, you're ready for a Dick. TLC. You're ready for a TLC show. <laughs> Fuck that. Well, you're not gonna be on the same episode with the twins. Uh, no. Oh, no. Shit. That that's Salt Peter sober. <laughs> Let's talk about something else. Who wants uh, to, just, Jason? I'll, what I'll else stick you have? With it. 
I just uh, again super quick hit. I will say I, I, I definitely in speaking of of um, of uh, Secret Wars tie-in books that uh, are off the beaten uh, path, but are but are enjoyable. I, I've really dug Where Monsters Dwell. Yes, uh, yeah. I, I didn't. I wasn't sure I would. Um, but uh, Russ Braun art looks great. It's funny. It's naughty. It's, it's definitely naughtier than I, I'm used to seeing from a Marvel book, which mm-hmm. is very welcome. So uh, to your point, I think it, the one thing that you can definitely say about all these books is that um, it generally, at least, at least feels to me like they were given true reign over what they wanted to do in these issues uh, right. with the idea probably that they said, listen, we're going to – after the, this – Secret Wars is over. We have a, another thing, all new, all different, and that's going to be very editorially driven as we're, as it always is. But in the meantime, just have fun. And, uh, you know, there's probably a few certain rules, like you got to use the Thors, you got to refer to God Doom, you got to acknowledge that Doom is the lord of the, of the world. But beyond that, you can do pretty much what you want as long as it makes sense to the source material. So yeah, really cool stuff. Um, did you read issue two? Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's what made me, that's why I just made me, oh, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, the T-Rex attack yeah. with all the little yep. dudes getting thrown around. My goodness. Absolutely awesome. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, but, but I, uh, I want to keep with the ladies because it is ladies night. And, um, another thing that I read were the second and third volumes of the much heralded, uh, and I believe number one selling Marvel comic digitally, uh, Miss Marvel featuring, mm. uh, Jersey girl Kamala Khan. Mm. Um, this, um, if, to, to be clear, and I don't think this is much of a spoiler since we're 16, 16, 17 issues in at this point. She's an inhuman. She, she is one of the, the people that was, um, infested by the Terrigen mists when they all went off. And so she's part of this new, this new thing of inhumans. And, um, somehow or another, I must have missed when this happened, but, um, Attilan is now based in, in, in Jersey City. Uh, I'm not sure, or right in near Jersey City. I'm not sure when that happened, but but uh, but it did. And Medusa is the head of it, the titular head. Um, but it's just this is. I can see why this book is captivating a new audience. Uh, Kamala is uh, she's charming in a way that 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 we grew up thinking about why Peter Parker wasn't was accessible. She's yeah. a nerd. She's a nerdy, fun loving, innocent teenage girl who's overjoyed. She grew up as a geek. She loves geek culture. She loves superhero culture. She suddenly finds herself a superhero and is just loving every minute of it. Um, she, her life is in danger, but she's having fun doing it, probably more than she should be because she doesn't even realize in some instances how, how dangerous her situation is. Uh, and, and they've done a wonderful job of, of developing her cast of characters. Um, you know, she is, she is part of a, a Muslim family. And her parents are struggling with the idea of American culture and, and having a teenage daughter that, 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 that appreciates and loves American culture, but, but also is trying to be true to her Muslim roots and what that means in terms of dating and sexuality and, and even, you know, what's appropriate, how, what's appropriate to say and dress in public. Um, and, uh, it, it's, it's, it's just so reminiscent to me of, 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 of what made characters like Peter Parker so phenomenal um, when they were first launched. And uh, in, in the second and, and third volumes, we see a bunch of stuff. She gets um, Medusa because uh, Kamala is an inhuman. Medusa wants to keep watch of her and she really would prefer that all the inhumans come and live with them 
um, in Attilan or Adelon, however you say it. Um, we say Adelon. Do we? We meeting in people in PA or <laughs> the magneto folk. <laughs> but either way, uh, Medusa would prefer her to live with them, but that's not going to happen. So she sends Lockjaw to watch over Kamala. So Lockjaw becomes a, essentially the 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 Khan family's pet, which is great. Um, uh, she Kamala meets. Uh, she's set up with. Um, a family friend, it, it, implying it's going to be a, a kind of a, a setup, a forced dating situation. And as it turns out, the guy that she's forced to, that they were, they were childhood friends. They haven't seen each other in a long time. Uh, uh, it, as it turns out, he's not only super handsome and successful, but he's also into all the things she's in, the same kind of music, the same kind of comics. Um, so she's immediately smitten. But, uh, as it, uh, as it turns out, of comic books, there is more than meets the eye to this guy, and uh, his his reintroduction to her life, let's say, was not coincidental. So, um, you know, it deals with both the superhero trope of having to fight a, a baddie, a big baddie, but at the same point in time, she, the same the same person and same situation is also, in a way, her first love and her first disappointment. Her heart's broken because of it. So. Great stuff. It's just super well done. There's a, um, a Loki makes an appearance. Um, he, he's sent to the school to find out some information and essentially becomes, uh, a hipster, uh, the, the mysterious hipster guy that everybody's enamored with. And, uh, he, he pretty much destroys the prom, uh, and, and because he is the god of mischief after all. Um, just, just super well done. Um, uh, it's, it's written by G. Willow Wilson, who, I don't know if people realize she is Muslim. Um, yep. She's she's of you know she's a she's of Caucasian descent, but um, I think the, I, I did read this and I, I but it's been a while. I'm pretty sure she did she marry someone that was Muslim and then converted, or I feel no, I think it's the other way around. I think she converted um, either during or right after college, and then is now married to uh, a Middle Eastern uh, per, you know her, her husband's Middle Eastern. But either way, she she's Muslim. I haven't seen her at a con, but apparently I think she wears traditional. Yep. like a Muslim, like a a burqa and and, a, and a, a facial cover and all that sort of thing. But uh, uh, and then the art, it, um, it it's it's the first the first and second arcs are primarily drawn by Adrian Alfona, yep. um, and then the third arc is uh, drawn by uh, Miyazawa, uh, Takeshi Miyazawa, um, and then there's one issue drawn by uh, someone named Elmo Bondock, which uh, that that's a name and a half for you, but but. Um, I just I love everything about this book. I can I can see why it is being so well regarded, and it's wonderful to, to see that a book like this, um, you know, we don't get we don't get we don't get uh, insight directly into digital sales numbers because Diamond doesn't doesn't put doesn't have a handle on those, so they don't they don't share them like they do the the printed numbers. Um, but we do know for sure and can definitely verify that Miss Marvel is. Certainly consistently, consistently, but, but certainly over the life of its existence, the top selling Marvel comic digitally. And it's nowhere near the top selling book in print. So it really does evidence that digital is genuinely creating a new market of readers for comics. And how long have we all been saying that the biggest threat to comics longevity was the lack of a new audience? And this and many other books are breaking down that barrier and people are finding these books that literally have never been to or are not interested in going to traditional comic stores. And I think that's phenomenal. So 
Um, huge, huge thumbs up to everybody involved in Miss Marvel. Uh, it's it's definitely worth. It's a book that certainly lives up to the hype. I agree. I, I am a uh, I'm a few issues behind, um, but that's that's only because of everything else that I've been. Miss Marvel is one of those things where I. I feel comfortable reading it and, and I know it's there. It's, 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 whereas like the Punisher might be like a guilty pleasure. Miss Marvel is kind of like comfort food or I just, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. So I, I tend to, uh, save it and, and I've saved it for months now and, and, uh, that's on me. That, that, that's my bad. I, I should not have, uh, slacked on it because I'm looking now and, and I've got like five issues to read. So it's, it's something I should have been on top of long before now. Um, but it, it's, I'm glad that even, even though I have the issues, I haven't read them yet, that it's still maintaining, uh, what it started for, from the beginning. And, and it, it started off strong. I did not read Kamala's first appearance in, uh, in Captain Marvel. I've, I'm only familiar with her from Miss Marvel number one on. And, and then she, uh, she popped up in uh, in an issue or two of Amazing Spider-Man um, when they brought uh, the Clash back to to present day after the learning the crawl storyline. Um, but it, it's no you, everything you said, Jason. It's it it is it is one of the more different books Marvel puts out, and it's it's it. Scratches a lot of itches. It's, it's a great character you can get behind. It's a female character. It's it's um, it's a Muslim character. The 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 whole the whole power set because of the Inhumans and and you know she she's not your traditional Miss Marvel if if you're used to a certain uh, character with that name. It, it's all around a, a really solid book. So I'll, everything you said, I, I second. Yeah, she's got a crazy power set too. She's she's potentially very powerful because um she's she's in a way she's like uh like Reed because she can change her body in, in dramatic ways and make giant she often makes giant fists to fight people and um she she made giant feet when she had to jump off a building once. But but at uh, but she's she's learning there's a lot more to her powers. She can she can seemingly change her mass. She can yeah. get large, get small, she can can almost do mystique level stuff where at one point we see her as a couch. She's totally looks like a couch. So I, I by they're giving her a broad set of abilities that, uh, that, that, and, and she's learning them on the fly so that one would think once she's mastered them, she'd be, she's going to be one hell of, what hell of powerful character for sure. And she strikes me as the type of character who, um, will end her days living in a house just somewhere without dealing with anything that has to do with supervillains or, or, or using her superpowers. She's like, mm-hmm. I could do this, but. I'm content in my life with my family and, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm pushing 40 now and, and you kids have your fun. I, I did that and it, which is, is great to know that it's in someone's back pocket somewhere down the line or she just can be as, as powerful as all get out. So I, it, it's, she really is one of my favorite characters in, in recent memory. She's, I, I, 
there's so much about the book and 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 the character and and Kamala that that I just and even her supporting cast. I mean, the uh, the, the the guy who crushes on her and 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 her friend who's just you know not does aside from him that does her does her girlfriend does her best friend know that she's Miss Marvel yet at, at, up into the point you're read because I she hasn't the only person who knows who she is 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 the guy from the convenience store. Right. No, I, I, no, I don't. Okay. No one else knows. Um, okay. No. Man, cool nothing quiets Vince down like a, uh, like a Miss Ollie Marvel. Is, uh, female book. <laughs> I, uh, well, this one that doesn't have deviant sex acts in it. That's, yeah, right? Yeah. If she was, you know, and she's of age, but if, uh, if she was eating people, okay, maybe. Well, how? But the, uh, I, I, um, I finished Ghost Fleet. I finally, Read the last few issues of that, uh, by, um, uh, Donnie Cates and Daniel Warren Johnson. Uh, it ended a lot differently than I expected it to. I, I had no idea where it was going and, and it was, it was fantastic. It was, you know, the, the, these eight issues are, um, you know, I, I would, I would recommend them. There was, uh, there was a scene, there was a page or two where I, that I could have done without personally, but it was, uh, to progress the story along, then, you know, that's in the context of the rest of, uh, of the story that the creators were telling. I'm not saying I'm cool with it, but it's understandable, uh, in context and it has to do with, uh, with Trace's dog Axel, um, the uh, but it ends in in a big way. It's it's a big ending. Um, basically, uh, it's it's really the end of the world type shit. And and the uh, you find out that the truck was um, was transporting something that. That was really, really important. Uh, and you get to the end of the eighth issue or what you think is the end of the eighth issue. Because again, when, when you're reading it digitally, if you're not looking at, at how many swipes you have to go, you're just in the moment. Whereas if you have a paper comic, then you know, you still have, you know, like a few pages left and you hope they're not all ads. The, uh, you get to the end and it's, it's the end of the story, except there's a, um, there's there's a page where uh you um the the last page that I thought was the last page is basically this is how the world ends and and it's the title page and and there's bad shit ha- it's it's a far away shot you're in space and and you're looking at earth and um and basically earth is being overtaken um we'll call it by hell um but you turn the page and, and it's like, but this is not the end of our story. And now we're, um, we're years in the future and it's, it's very Mad Max-ish, uh, the heroes of our story, um, are basically just trying to right some wrongs and, uh, fight for the little guy, so to speak. Uh, everybody is, is extremely, uh, Everybody has changed from how you've met them in the previous issues of, of this series. Uh, they've changed as, as 
again, very Mad Maxish. Yeah, I mean, there's cyborgs and um, there's a lot of guns and and a lot. It, it's it is a crazy flipping story, is what I'm saying. It's it's I I definitely recommend it if if I still haven't seen Fury Road, but I think if if you dug. Fury Road, you'd probably enjoy this. The art's been fantastic. Daniel Warren Johnson is is not somebody you should uh, you should be sleeping on. It it looks um and I, I, I got to the end and I, I kinda want more. It it really is a uh it's a really well told eight issues. I um I I I yeah, no, just read the ghost fleet is is basically what I'm saying. I fell off that when it stopped coming. Yeah, out. it went to digital, yeah. right? That's what I remember. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, I, I have the second trade uh, cool. here on my Rajan, but I haven't read the second trade. Okay, yet. all right. So I'll um, uh, when you do, I, I want to hear your thoughts. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Cool. I got something else. I know you do. Jason's probably going to want to take a breather on oh, this boy. because it it's a pulp hero. Oh goody! Oh, you're right. One of the, you're actually right. One of the. Right, guys, one I'm going to go and uh, refresh my Jesus. drink. Um, now, now I can nap, right? No, this is cool stuff. Um, written by did Mr. Mark Wade. Hero two weeks ago. I probably did. Yeah. So wasn't that it for the That's year, right? That was I thought. I'm not. Oh, I'm not. My bad. You guys, I'm not kidding. I love the pulp you heroes. Do. You love the pulp Be, because they can't. By and large, they can't fly. They can't move mountains. They're just humans with, in most cases, with these little quirks. Like, what I makes the shadows? That ordinary people. <laughs> but they're not, see, they're, they're not ordinary. There's certain things. Just listen to what I got for you here, you dick. <laughs> I can't, Dare to be I can't different. Be mad at you, that was the good I love my escapism. That's just like my neighbor. This is written by Mr. Mark Wade. Put on purple pajamas and goggles and you can be a crime Always brings a good time. (laughs) Illustrated by Mr. Ronaldson Frere. Wow. Yes. And uh, color art by Mary. Is there any relation to Juan Ferreira? I don't think so. They don't even draw alike. Uh, Not that that would be a... (laughs) Really. (laughs) Uh, Color art by Mr. uh, Merco Lesco. It's Justice Incorporated. I love his work. Right. The the Avenger number one and number two I read. Oh, the Avenger. Okay, All right, I'm back in. Do do your homework. Um, <laughs> the Avenger was created in 1939 by oh, Mr. Kenneth Avenger. Roberson. Oh, just, oh, yes, again. Dick by Mr. Kenneth Roberson, who was not a real human being. It was a, a a pseudonym for a whole bunch of people. It was a Street and Smith pen name that um, Lester Dent. Worked under Philip Jose Farmer, Ron Goulart. A bunch of guys used the Kenneth Roberson, um, surname. Of the craft. But the, the, yeah, but the Avenger is largely attributed to the writer Paul Ernst. Yeah. So yes. Wade's origin here kind of deviates a little bit from the, the Avengers pulp, um, origin. Not much. He's kind he's kind of like the Punisher in a way, but without all the killing. See, um, Richard Henry Benson, that's the Avenger, uh, was a millionaire, professional adventurer, globetrotter, a man's man. Um, and he decided to settle down. He married, he had a daughter, and the wife and child were both victims of mob shenanigans. Mm. Oh. 
and uh, the, their deaths had such a devastating emotional impact on the dude that um, his skin and hair turned white. He was shocked to such a degree that he physically, his form physically changed. He lost all the pigment in his, his hair and his skin, um, and his facial muscles were paralyzed. Dude is totally emotionless, but um, on the surface, he's as dead to the world as his wife and child. But the cool thing about the Avenger is he can mold his facial muscles into into any guise he wishes. So he's like a master of disguise. So after the ordeal, like Mr. Castle, Benson kind of vows to avenge uh, his wife and child by scouring the criminal underworld uh, preventing the incidents from happening similar to the one that devastated him from happening to anyone else. It, it's a classic origin, right? Um, like Doc Savage, Benson has a posse. He's not doing this alone. He has surrounded himself with smart, like-minded individuals in his war on crime. So now remember, the story is set in 1940 before the U.S. has entered the war. People of color were not treated fairly during this time. So just keep that in mind. Uh, among the people Benson has around him, we have Nellie Gray, this uh, hot and sassy investor. Um, there's a huge cache of Mayan gold. They don't tell you this in the comic, but she has obtained this Mayan gold. So the resources for which to fight this battle are almost limitless. But she's not just a pretty face. This woman is fluent in many fighting forms. Jiu-Jitsu, Taekwondo, she knows it all. Um, he has a master of electricity with him, Mr. Algernon Heathcote Smith, who does not like being called that. He likes to be called Smitty. And he's a big dude, a huge dude. So it's kind of like uh, Doc Savage um, the, the, with his posse, like the appearance of these people do not always, are, are not an indicator of what they're possible of doing. This, uh, this dude's very smart. We also have a master chemist in Fergus McMurdy. And, and here's the interesting, uh, members. Josh and Rosabelle Newton. They're both black. And they don't really have any exceptional powers, except they're very good investigators, but they turn the tables on the time by using the racial stereotypes to their advantage. Like they'll pose as servants to, to, to get into a place and get some information for the Avenger and nobody pays them any mind. It's like, Oh, just another black woman and black man, just, you know, cleaning up. So ha ha jokes on you people. Um, among the Avengers weapons, he carries uh, two and he calls them Mike and Ike. Mike is a 22 pistol. And Ike is a blade. Now, <laughs> unlike, like Batman, uh, the Avenger will not kill. He, he wounds with his bullets, like he'll graze you. And he's such a, an expert shot, he'll graze you with the bullet to incapacitate you, or he'll get you with the knife somewhere that won't kill you, but it'll make your day pretty shitty. So, um, he's established an office in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Not a great place. Uh, and for that purpose, all of the, the, the people that are down on their luck that have been, uh, unjustly, uh, accused or have had something impact their lives in a, in a not great way, they go to the Avenger and he will, he and his posse will right the wrongs. And in this series, it's really cool. Wade is really goddamn smart. 
because he uses this old lady. Um, her name is Lucille Mentor, and she comes to the Avenger for 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 help. And by using this old lady, we are introduced to everyone in his posse. Like as the woman's going through the offices, she notices Smitty doing this Dr. Frankenstein thing with these huge electrical, um, you know, like a big uh, Jacob's ladder. And there's sparks and lightning flying all over the place. And she's scared. And then she comes upon Fergus and he's mixing some shit together. He's got the goggles on. It's like, <laughs> and so she likens Smitty to Dr. Frankenstein. And she thinks that like Fergus is uh, Dr. Jekyll in, in a sense. Uh, it's really neat the way Wade does it. I mean, the guy's been writing comics forever. He knows how to suck you in. But the gist of the story is she comes to uh, Justice Incorporated and she says, I, I'm living alone in this, this rundown building. And one night I saw a ghost, but it wasn't any ordinary ghost. It was a transparent man. And they're like, what? So they go to investigate. And wouldn't you know it, it actually is a transparent man. You can see through the guy's body. His, his organs, his, 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 uh, you know, spinal column, the, the, the nervous system, his eyes, you see his brain. And he's, he's, you can see through this dude and they're like, what the hell? And they're throwing down with this guy and it's obviously a trap. It's, the woman was a plant just to get the Avenger in a, in a, you know, precarious situation and it works and that's where this, it goes into issue two and I'm not going to say anymore, but, some I don't know what it is about these pulp characters, whether it's like the Wayback Machine or it's they're simple stories, but I get so much from these books. Dynamite has a lockdown on these characters: the Shadow, Doc Savage, the Justice Incorporated with the Avenger, the Spider, and and they all like speak to me from various directions. I, these these are the characters on which. A lot of our favorite characters were based. There would be no Superman without Doc Savage. If you do some research, you will see that one of them had a fortress of solitude before the other, and he wasn't wearing red and blue. Know what I'm saying? So investigate the pulp characters. Yeah. I, I know those things are lost on one, possibly two, of people listening to me right now. But I'm saying they're simple stories, but there's so much... There's so much humanity in these things. These guys are not aliens. They're not superpowered. They're they're just semi ordinary dudes who have a special quirk and they use it to fantastic lengths. Read this shit. It's good. You make a compelling argument. I, I it's like I, Doctor Who. I have tried on many an occasion in my life to dive back into pulp because so many people, yourself included, that I respect, uh, love the stuff immensely. And I do understand and appreciate the historical significance of the characters, but what can I say? I just, uh, it is just like Doctor Who. I, I, I recognize why y'all dig it, and, but every time I, I give it a try, it's just my, my eyes roll in the back of my head, and I, I want to throw the, the stuff across the room, so. I, mean, I just, <laughs> I don't know. It, it may be, there may be an element in this that I'm kind of leaving out. Um, when I was eight, Somebody, God bless him, shoved a Doc Savage paperback into my hands. And from then on, I just, that character, I, I just, I really enjoy all the pub characters. Now, it may be because I was initiated so young and just have 
dragged these these dudes with me throughout my life. But that's just a small component, I think. They're they're just well done. Yeah. Cool. At dynamite, that is. Which you know, dynamite could use some some positive. Yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't click on the spider though. That was the one that I didn't. I just didn't like it. But the other ones, they're all good. Love them. Nice. And Cullen Bunn is right in the shadow. That's cool. Did you know that? Is he? Yeah. Now that's interesting. I find yeah. that interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, Issue two is in the current um, DCBS solicits. Uh, maybe we'll see. I think Dap. I was going to suggest in Vince's uh, upcoming absence, maybe you and I could. As if we're looking for a topic of conversation, could go through the uh, the Marvel and uh, and and uh, the Marvel books that are looming, and maybe the Image Expo new books, and see what what's grabbing us. But I just the reason I bring this up is because um, one of the other things that I read this week was I, I got caught up on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and yeah. um, for those that have paid attention to the all new uh, Marvel now uh, solicits. There is a Venom book coming out titled uh, Venom Space Knight, an homage yes. to Ronald. Yeah. What? You didn't know that? Well, no. If you looked yeah. at the um, the image from the preview book, uh, Venom has a different look to him. Um, and it looks like, I'm not sure if um, Rocket's in charge, but Groot's there. Venom is there with, with a slightly different look. Uh, there's a woman wearing Star-Lord's mask who I'm going to guess yeah. and say that it's Kitty. Um, and, uh, and who am I missing? Drax? Is Drax there? Groot. But it's, no, no, I mentioned Groot. Um, oh, but, uh, but yeah, so it's, I, you know, to, to back up J- Jason's point, I'm, I'm guessing that because, of, and I remember now, I started reading Black Vortex. I need to get back to it. But before Black Vortex, um, I didn't finish that Drax either. and Flash were um, were hanging out, and I guess they were trying to find out where the symbiote came from. And I don't know if this all new, all different Marvel will um, pick up where that left off. I, d- I don't know if they did pick up where it left off. I'll. Uh, I'll find out, but I, I hope that we're not jumping to the Space Knight um, aspect of it without finding out more about the symbiote, especially since the symbiote was introduced during the first Secret Wars and we're in the middle of a new Secret Wars. I, I'd like to see maybe some connection there. But um, well, I, what I was, if I was you're, you're taking the words out of my mouth? I'm sorry. No, it's all right. So. Um, Black Guardians of the Galaxy and X Men, Black Vortex. I think we've briefly talked about it, but frankly, it kind of didn't didn't really work for me. Um, but the the uh, arc of Guardians leading up to Black Vortex, which was issues eighteen through twenty three, um, as part of that, well, there's a couple things that go on actually. In one, we find out what happened in the Cancer Verse. Which I was very interested in because um, that was a, a, a key part of the Marvel Cosmic Rebirth, and we haven't we, we know that all these characters like Starlet are back from the Cancerverse, but we don't know how or why. So we find that out, and it's uh, it's a tough story. It's it's one that um, Star Lord had uh, sworn never to tell uh, because someone had asked him not to, but uh, but he is confronted with a situation of having to 
either lose the trust forever of someone that's still alive or break the trust of someone that's no longer with us. So he opts to break the trust of someone who's no longer with us. Um, and then after we find out what went on in the Cantorverse, we get the answers you're alluding to. We we go to the home of the symbiotes. Okay. And we learn about them. And I knew from the solicits that we were eventually that we were going to be getting to to this planet at some point. I presumed that when we got there, it would be akin to um, Ridley Scott when we when you land on a planet full of of of, uh, of aliens. <laughs> that you know it would be a, a deadly planet where they're just trying to stay alive. Uh, boy, did Bendis surprise me, and could I have been more wrong? Wow. I, I don't want to spoil because it is worth reading, but I will say that what we think about the symbiotes and and what we uh, what we've been led to believe because of our exposure to Venom and all of his offspring couldn't be more wrong. Uh, Can I guess? Yeah, sure. I think it would be really cool if the symbiote was a genetically engineered weapon by the Dire Wraiths. Oh, no, you're way off. <laughs> that would be cool. That would be cool. That would and, be cool. and hence the Venom Space Knight. Um, I also should say, because this isn't too much of a spoiler, um, what, what, what leads us to the, uh, to, to the symbiote's planet is that, uh, Flash's symbiote, who's been largely under control with him, you know, it's, he's, it's been, he's had a pretty good handle on symbiote. The symbiote starts going crazy. And, um, and at, at, in, in the issue preceding our visit to the symbiote planet, we get the cool visual of the symbiote attaching itself to essentially every member of the Guardians at some point. Huh. So we see Venom Groot, we see Venom Rocket. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, but, um, but once we get to the planet, um, it's just very well done. And, and the long and the short of it is that, um, once you find out what the symbiotes really are all about, um, they do something that produces a completely different um, symbiote than what we're used to. And and so Flash leaves that arc and that planet and heads into this all-new All-Marvel Now uh, in a much different place. And there's a very specific reason why the costume looks different than we've seen before. Uh, if you look at the costume, it looks like he's wearing a suit of armor now. And there's a reason for that. There's a lot more structure to it. But uh, But we're led to believe that the 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 evil that has been defined by the symbiotes we've known on Earth was was some something that never was meant to happen and is essentially gone now. So Flash has got full control over the symbiote. It's a fully symbi- symbiotic relationship, mutually beneficial, and 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 is and is meant for for purposes of doing good in the universe. So now you you specifically did not mention the name of the planet. Right. Um, I, I didn't, not because there's any specific reason not to. They they do mention oh. it. I just I don't recall what it was, and it's not a name I'm, I don't think we've ever heard before. Um, okay. I can double check what the name of it is. It's, well, I, w- I was thinking maybe it was Galador. No, 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 no. It's not. It's um, it's the, the race. They actually do give a name to the race of the symbiotes. It is one second here. I, I didn't. Uh... I think wasn't Galador destroyed? Hmm? I think Galador was destroyed. Uh, may have. Let me just see here. Um, 
They do give the name, but I can't find it. Like I said, they don't make much of the of. of I mean, they they do refer to themselves as as a of an of an alien name, but it's not uh, it's not something that um, I don't recall if it's having any meaning before this. So, yeah, the builders destroyed Galador. Oh, did they? In cool. the, yeah, in Infinity. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. I got to read this now. Maybe I'll. Uh, well, I'll try and get caught up on Guardians because yeah, this. I need to. Sounds interesting. Well, this is the this is the arc right before um, Black the Vortex. Black Vortex stuff. So yeah. you definitely don't need. I mean, if you can just jump back to that one before that, and it's fully self. You don't need to. Cool. I've read the stuff. Each of these arcs is pretty self-contained, so you don't have you could read eighteen through twenty-three and not have have anything to worry about in terms of if you had missed stuff in between. Awesome. I, I got to say, when it when I think about I don't want to say science fiction writers, but when I think about writers who would do a really good job of Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't know if I ever would have said Brian Michael Bendis. It's true, and, and yeah. I really like what yeah. he's been doing with him. Yeah, I mean, uh, see, I, it's interesting you say that. Oh, um, first of all, it's uh, so they're called the Clin the Clintar, K L Y N T A R. The the I don't know if it's the head of the planet or or whoever's the narrator says we prefer to be called the Clintar. Um, but in any event, uh, back to Bendis. I, I don't know. I, I think I think I had high hopes for this because to me, I've always been a fan of. Uh, when Bendis does can do interaction between people. Oh, um, he's great at that. Yeah. I mean, he's great in all new X-Men and, and I, you know, it's a little too great all, at that. all the jokes with the, you know, with the talking heads and, and maybe he overstayed on adventures. I know he can do a group. I, I like his group work, but mm-hmm. guardians of the galaxy is a lot different than new Avengers and, uh, well, and, and even all new X-Men, but, um, I no doubt, no doubt. I, I I've really liked his work. Yeah, definitely. And and we Dap, another thing we can dive into while Vince is gone is as a, as you know, I I read issues two through nineteen of uh, of the Punisher. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and Vince, uh, do I have permission to talk about fables in your absence? Sure, he's not going to listen. So. I was going to say because yeah, uh, Vin, for, for for newer listeners, you may not know this, but Vince does love fables, and it's one of it's it's one of the if not the only books he refuses to discuss on air because he doesn't it's want so to share stupid. it. No, no, it's his and book. Uh, <laughs> I had gotten behind, but I read the twenty nineteen. I think it's nineteen twenty and twenty one. It might be twenty twenty and one twenty two. I don't know, but it's it's yeah, it's nineteen twenty and twenty one trades, which is uh, I think it encompasses. Issues, um, I think we're talking about twenty plus issues between those three books. Um, but it brings you up until I'm now caught up into issue one forty nine, which is the, the penultimate issue. Uh, the final yeah. trade and final issue are one one fifty, which comes out uh, later this month. So um, yeah, so it's I, I read issues one fourteen through one forty nine on vacation, and yeah, uh, yeah we're, we're nearing the end, but. Uh, but I, I will save my commentary on that until you're absent. Yeah, happily ever, ever after is killing me. It's killing me. It's it's. I don't want to say goodbye to these characters. No, it's I know. Healthy. I know. How how are you reasonably caught up or no? 
Um, the last one I read was uh, 148. Oh, so you're caught up. Yeah, I have oh. uh, 149. I'm just holding off. I, I just want to prolong the uh, the experience. Have you been yeah. enjoying? So you've been enjoying the the final arc. I love it. Yeah, it's sad and it's it's, I agree. it's yeah. Just I, I I can't I can't encapsulate um, how much I, I really enjoy fables, and that's mostly. I mean, I, the writing is great, but Buckingham, oh dear God, I mean, he is he, the guy's a maestro. Uh, what he chooses to do after this, I'll just I don't care if it's you know. Um, Little Orphan Annie, I will buy it. You know, that, because... that is a great topic for another episode that we should put it. Um, artists that were seminal artists in a work that was really revered or beloved. And then kind of what happened to him after. Because mm. you just brought him up, and then I just thought immediately my moment to Pia Guerra. Mm, I mean, she right. was so synonymous with Y, which was one of the at its time, one of the most beloved series. And she's doing stuff since she did Doctor Who. She right, did she's Who. doing one of the new, I think, DC books, I think. Um, but, but it's not, it's not like she hasn't had her, her presence has been largely marginalized back into the ether of she's one of many working well, you know, well regarded working artists, but she's not, her follow up was not something monumental. Whereas, uh, yeah, so to your point, I mean, right, it wouldn't it be weird if, if Buckingham, like, starts drawing, I don't know, uh, like, an Inhumans book or something? Like, you wouldn't, you know? I'm sure whatever he chooses to do will be, uh, stellar, but he could drop the mic after this. I mean, I know the people, the guy has to eat and he'll, he could find work as good as he is, he could find other things, but if he chose never to do another comic, man, what a landmark. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Does he have ownership at all of Fables? It's, uh, I don't know. I think that's all. Um, I'd like to think that's all Willingham. It's all. It's all Willingham, right? I mean, he's yeah, worked for hire, yeah. I think. So if that's true, I hope what he does next is crush it on an image book and make bank. Oof. Yeah, that'd be cool. You know, I hope that's what he does. But you're right. I mean, his his he he's he's an all time great that doesn't I think doesn't get spoken of in that way probably because so much of his work for what a decade now has been on fables and while yeah. fables is popular i don't think there are plenty of people that don't read it so it's a damn shame though it's, he's he's a, a maestro really all you know everyone involved in fables artistically has been phenomenal yep uh it's true all the fill-ins have been great all the cover artists have been incredible because has it only been know, one cover artist since uh james Jean left um, it's it's in yeah I don't know how to say it because it's uh I can't it's, either but it's, yeah. it's like Joao Ruiz Joao yeah. Ruiz is his name yeah he's he's uh, Brazilian but but uh, he's been incredible yeah sad and I'm the the, the non Buckingham um, Willingham fables just does not click with me like there's a book out coming out now the with Bigby whatever that that book is. I took a, what is it, uh, something, the wolf or whatever. Well, so an important thing about that one, because I, I haven't even been ordering it, is that's just a comic adaptation of the Telltale game. Oh, okay. Which is why it probably isn't resonating with you. It's, it's, it's 
essentially they're just making a comic of the game of the the Telltale game. So, but I disagree with you on like I mean I love Ferris. I think that's I've really enjoyed that book and and uh, I didn't love Jack of Fables, but I liked it. I, I didn't stuck stick with, with it to the end. Yeah, did you just out yeah. of inertia? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, well, I think Jack is great, but and and the Cinderella minis have been great, but oh, by and large, Sean McManus, forget it. Yeah, yeah. But um, sometimes I just get the feeling that uh, certain fables stories are, are just that. Like the now I know why that Bigby thing. It's just I saw issues one and two. And I'm like, nah, it's not doing it. No, yeah, that that I don't think that really. But the one thing I'll say is, as I look back on the series, the, the only time I think they really fell off was the whole literates thing. Uh, that, that, oh, yeah. I think that's when they, that when they went off the. What's that, David? It was a crossover. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. That's what I mean. Between, but that 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 you know, essentially almost year long. So I, that that really lost me. That was the one time I didn't. I I, I kind of bought into the idea that the book lost its momentum. But but uh, I know a lot of people gave up after the 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 end of the the hundred issues, the big arc. But but that was a mistake because there's been a lot of goodness since. Mm-hmm. You're right. Mm-hmm. All right, let's look at that clock and see where we're going here. You're the one that said you wanted to go late tonight because you're not going to be with us. Yeah, we can still go. Are we keeping I'm that from not, the audience? Am I not supposed to I'm be not, acknowledging that? No, I I won't. Um, due to my obligations with my master's program, I will not be here for the next two weeks. Oh, for um, two weeks. Da- yeah, David and Jason are uh, going to be uh, driving the bus. So uh, enjoy, but uh, huh. you won't have me to kick around and scoff at my pub characters for two weeks. <laughs> well, then you have two weeks worth of pub characters. So then Jason and I may take two weeks off. You can't. That's well. That's, that's dirty. That you're not going to be here for our Gary Panther interview. Yeah, right. <laughs> the dude, the dude will not even friend me on Facebook. Well, I don't know what, uh, what is up. He Faust is one of his friends, and he won't fa- he won't friend me. I'm seriously <laughs> taking it personally now. Well, you respond to my emails, though. So. You dick. You did not. I told you I emailed him. I emailed him last year. Or I mean, beginning of this year. Oh, right, 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 right. To see about is, is, show. Are you going to have the and person we were talking about? Birthday, so. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> die! Yeah. Are you are you having the person that um, you said was going to come on on during those two weeks? The the person that we ca- caught up with and chatted with the heroes. Yes, I think that's the plan. He he said to follow up with him after Sand Dog, so. Nice. Sand dog, we call Sand him. I believe, he, I, believe he was, <laughs> I believe he was one of the Eisner voters this year. Yes, he was. Oh, yeah, now, see, he, you're, he you're, a, you're uh, giving it away. That, that was a neat little photo of, of him talking about retailers, but yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Hey, while we have some time, let's talk about this heavy metal thing. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have learned... Oh, from shit. a reliable source oh. that Eastman does not own heavy metal anymore. I didn't think he did. I, yeah. I didn't think he did. I didn't know that. Um, because I've been blaming. Does that change your initial impression after the, the news was, was announced? No, it's a smart move by anybody with money who really doesn't know mm-hmm. what, okay. what they bought. All right. You know, maybe, maybe they do, but, um, you see a name like Grant Morrison, a lot of people seem to like him. He changes things in his wake. Hey, let's bring this guy in. 
Um, if you want to attract attention, bringing Grant Morrison in as your editor-in-chief, that's a way to do it. Yeah, no, yeah. it is. Uh, in light of the magazine's pedigree, though, um, no, it, it, uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I think Eastman beat the magazine into the ground for a lot of years. Uh, it, 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 currently, it's a mere shadow of what it wants. I was going to say, I think of if course. we're talking about modern, it's it's got almost no cachet. Right. Except no, for its no. historical cachet, which is, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's sad because if you look at the first five, six years, oh, nothing is going to ever touch no, that. I mean, you, you go down the list, Mobius, oh. Richard Corbin, uh, uh, Jacques Tardy, uh, just, just the, the best of the best have appeared in heavy metal on a, on a regular basis. And, uh, like over the years it started to slip and I would get maybe, you'd get one graphic novel every other, maybe every third issue that was really good. And then, like, I've been reading it currently. J.K. Woodward's in it currently. So, I mean, his stuff is 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 good. But there's stuff in there that I'm just, I just don't get. I just, uh, why it 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 uh, warrants being published in heavy metal, if only, if for nothing else, to, to fill pages um, it's like I said, a shadow of its former self, but I'm not excited no, I'm about not. Morrison taking over. I'm not. I'd like to be. I, I have well, not been excited about heavy metal in, in years, and this should be news that should excite me, but I, I never would have. Yeah, I, I'm going to let Jason go. No, I, I, I can understand it not necessarily being earth-shattering news, but I don't know why this doesn't excite you guys in the sense that, I don't know, I mean, especially you, Vince, because <laughs> this is, no, I mean, I, I know you're off the DC thing and you're in this mode where you fail to even acknowledge that DC ever produced comics for decades that you love, but <laughs> but I mean, you know, it wasn't long ago that we we had episodes where you were you were calling Morrison, in your opinion, better than Alan Moore. In fact, there were debates on the show about that. And, and I don't remember ever saying well, that. Well, okay. But but nevertheless, <laughs> either way, you certainly acknowledge that Morrison was one of the true visionaries of, of, of the industry of all time. Yes. In your perspective. When, when he's on, he's on. He's, yeah, he's, no, no. he's exceptional when he's on. Right. So what I'm saying is I don't I don't know, frankly, uh, the since I'm the one of us who, who was the least into heavy metal when it was heavy metal, um, I... I I don't know that Morrison taking it over is going to be more than a passing fancy for me, but it's definitely the first time since we've done this show that I'm going to actively give heavy metal a try. And That's a good thing. Like anything, he'll either he's going to bring a lot of new eyes to the book. Now, yeah. whether or not he that turns into a one month try it out of curiosity or a bunch of new people giving heavy metal a rebirth, I have no idea because. The one thing about Morrison is he can be his own worst enemy, and I have no idea what his plans are for taking this over. Whether it's he's going to do stuff in it or not, whether he's who, how he's going to go about picking people to do it. That so that the proof will be in the execution. But I don't know. I think the fact that we're talking about heavy metal on the show would argue that it's was worth taking the stab because it's newsworthy, right? It's 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 actually right. making heavy metal relevant in the minds of. A big percentage of comic readers that probably haven't thought it relevant in a long time. 
Well, that well, mission accomplished. If that was yeah. the 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 uh, crux of the, the the matter to get eyes on heavy metal, then great, you've succeeded already. But I I, I don't know. Uh, Morrison's work for uh, Virgin and whatever it, it's called now, the the India uh, stuff, Titan. Like eighteen lo, Titan, largely forgettable. In, in, I mean, Agreed. visually, visually stunning, story-wise, whatever. Um, I think you're right. But I think we, I think Mr. Morrison is incredibly vain. This is just my what I what I'm I'm surmising based on why he would want to do this. I think he's incredibly vain mm-hmm. uh, for good for some good reason. I mean, he's very good at what he does. But Jodorowsky was a huge presence. At heavy metal for a lot of years. I'm thinking, and Mr. Morrison fancies himself cut from the same cloth that Yodorowsky mm-hmm. was. I'm thinking he's right. doing this as a vanity thing. Like, yeah, Yodo did it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to transform heavy metal just like Yodo did, but whatever. Whatever the reason, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I, I will play it by ear. I'll get the damn magazines. I got a subscription anyway. Um, so we'll check it out, but. I don't know. I'm 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 not I'm not too optimistic. When they use the word punk, Morrison's going to transform heavy metal into a punk. Why you got to use that word? It's so tired. Yeah, you're right. That's an that's a that's an un. That is a negative. I didn't realize they did that. That that. I mean, punk is so not relevant at this point, right? It's no. Like, that would be like punk would be. And when punk was relevant, calling something punk would have been like would have been not punk right it's like right yeah, exactly yeah so. yeah, yeah. Right. i mean yeah punk is an attitude we know that but um and and again i don't expect it to be like the first five six years of heavy metal because it's obviously not the same magazine right. but when you have a pedigree like heavy metal you have to walk on eggs and plan very carefully and um eastman hasn't done that over the years and i don't really think well i'll give him the benefit of the doubt let's see what morrison brings because he knows the stuff he i'm sure he's well versed in the the original heavy metal and um we'll try and do it uh justice so we'll see but we'll see yeah we shall see yes the guy has fallen from grace from with me yes yes he has for you that's pretty, it's pretty obvious yeah well, and, and, I mean, sales aren't everything, certainly. In fact, they're, they're not no. much of anything, I guess. But, but I don't, is there like any buzz for Nameless? Uh, I mean, is there any buzz for it? Yeah. I think there was buzz when it was announced, but since it's come out, has, has, I mean, I don't feel like it's, is, is anyone pimping it? I'm not seeing it on our forums. I'm not seeing it on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, we haven't talked about it. I'm, I'm not, I'm just not sensing that there's, much uh fervor for the book i think burnham's bringing it on the book which is sad oh i'm not look i'm not besmirching you know i think chris is a phenomenal uh, cartoonist i'm not i'm just saying i'm saying from a just again a perception of of buzz a buzzworthy book i mean there are books that sell a ton and then there are books that just have buzz like you know and i don't perceive it to be either really have you i mean maybe you guys disagree but i don't can't think of anybody talking about it even when the first issue dropped, I don't think there was all that much furor. Mm. Or, or I mean, it's not, that's the wrong word. Um, excitement. You know, it was just like, oh. Right. I mean, from a visual standpoint, I made sure 
to get that issue because I love Burnham and I love everything he does. But congrats to Burnham and his girlfriend, by the way. They're expecting their first child. Oh, oh nice. Good. Someone would have sex with him. His, his girlfriend <laughs> is a fetching lass. Oh, okay. She well, we're not saying cool. we wouldn't have sex with her. Just the fact that. No, I'm just I'm just trying to bust his balls. Yes. But um yeah, I think the work he's doing for Nameless is great. It's just that the story's like I don't know, I'm not feeling it. We don't we can't go out on a downer. <laughs> we can't well, no one's Happy was go out, dude. Happy was great. I liked Happy a lot. It was. It actually was a lot of fun. Yeah. But that was but that was that was atypical Morris, oh, yes. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'll quickly go out with, there's one more Girl Power book, uh, for the, keeping with the theme. The second hardcover of Harley Quinn. Ooh. Uh, hard power Outage. As you guys know, I adored the first volume. You did. Uh, and this, is, uh, this is no different. Connor and Palmiotti are in their groove, man. They really are. And Chad Harden, I covet his art. Uh, it takes a lot for me to buy DC original art, but I, I covet a Harley page or two. And, um, we let, we were left off in the first issue, the first, after the first arc where Harley had moved to Brooklyn, had become, uh, the landlord or the superintendent of a, uh, a high rise where she lived on the top floor. There was a crazy misfit cast of characters that also lived in the building that were her, her friends and consorts. Poison Ivy lived there. There's a, um, what, what's the, uh, is it a little person? Is that the politically correct term these days? I think midget. Little person, <laughs> right? No, I, so not midget. no, I think that's not correct. <laughs> no, it's a little person. There's a little person there. Um, she's in a roller derby league. But anyway, we we're, we're, we're left off after the first. There's also people continuously trying to kill her, uh, assassinate her. Um, but in the second arc, Power Girl crash lands nearby and has lost her memory. So Harley think it would be, thinks it would be a brilliant idea to convince Power Girls, and she doesn't remember, that they were uh, a dynamic duo uh, and were partners, superhero partners. And uh, it's just you – know, because of Paul Meotti and Connor's sense of humor, this book is just it, – it so cleverly um, bridges that, that, that line between naughty and, and, and titillating and, and inappropriate. And it stays just on the right side of of naughty and titillating without being inappropriate because it is, after all, a mainstream DC book. Um, but fun, fun stuff. I, it's, I think it's one of the best written, certainly most humorous books on the stands. Um, and uh, we're only halfway through the year, but but for right now, it's clearly, from my perspective, my pick for best comedy book of the year, best humor book. Nice. So. Isn't there a series um, solicited uh, now that's Harley Quinn and Power and Girl? Power. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. She's like the uh, Deadpool of DC. She's got multiple titles out now. Wow. Chad Harden's a beast. The dude is an absolute beast. Um, you know, and and he, I mean, he, he's very evocative of Amanda Connor, which is why I'm sure he got the gig in the first place. Um. But like Amanda, he can draw these women to be voluptuous, but not in an insulting manner, not in such a way that would be completely off-putting to, you know, some class of certain type of reader. Um, but it's just a funny book. They're just funny, you know. Um, she steals the original Batmobile at one point and just starts, like, wrecking havoc with her. It's just very, very funny. 
Oh my god, sorry. what is going on? What the hell? I killed, dude? I killed a cricket. I'm sorry. Okay. Alright, but we're, yeah. Oh. We'll, we'll talk about what I do, but alright, that's cool. Dude, it was near my right, leg. Whatever, I whatever, man. He goes to Comic Con and, uh, and walks in and there's a million cosplay Harleys at Comic Con and she's baffled by the whole thing. <laughs> so it's very. It is a pretty book. No, it is, yeah. Yeah, very and pretty book. Yeah, no. That, that uh, was put up to there for reading. Who's the, uh, What's that? who's the, uh, uh, is it, um, Timms, yes. John Timms on some of the uh, some of the pages in the second volume in the book you're reading. I don't think you guys were reading this. I have the I have the um I, I have the first volume on comicsology after you talked about it. But I did not I did not get the second issue uh, the second volume yet. Okay, cool. I, I listen to what you say. Right? Really? For real. Dude's got no faith in this bro. Right. Ah, but you know who I do have faith in? Who you got faith in? Discount Comic Discount Book Service. Nice. DCBService.com. Shout out to Christina. What? Yeah. Enjoy San Diego, Christina. Seriously, getting her relax on. I don't know that about that. Awesome. No, San Diego. She, they were vacationing. Then they went out to San Francisco, I guess, for the image thing. And now it's San Diego for the convention this weekend. So yeah, but she's not sure they'll get back to work. But didn't you see the picture she yeah, she, she put up? Sure, lounging out at the pool today. Oh, and and she's like, yeah, getting the boots set up for San Diego. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, oh, a, it's a hard life. <laughs> you poor baby. Any, anyway, I have faith in Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can get massive discounts on books such as from Paper Cuts, Dennis the Menace Hardcover Volume One, the classic comic books for ten ninety nine. That's forty five percent off. Andrew McLean's Headlopper, number one, the quarterly, for $2.99. And from DC Vertigo, the gorgeous Sandman Overture, one to six, hardcover deluxe edition for a paltry $12.49. You're not going to find that cheaper anywhere else. DC Service. No, dot com. I have two in your travels. They're both from the... Yes, they're both fast, both from the same publisher, both pretty much among the longest-running titles on the stands right now. Okay. Savage Dragon 204, written by Eric Larson, uh, drawn by Eric Larson. Uh, Nikos Koutsis does, does the colors, and, of course, uh, Chris Iliopoulos on the letters. Remember that scene that you went on and on and on and on about? Uh, in Savage Dragon 200, the, the, I do, the free the yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. the, the, the ramifications of that, uh, little romp are coming back to, uh, in a big way. Don't um, drink, kids. Tierra is pregnant. Mm. Oh, snap. And so is Angel. Ha! Oh, snap. <laughs> yes. yes. It's um, like that. Yeah, like and and they also recorded it. They videotaped oh, it. Dropping seed like Sean Camp around here. And so Malcolm's all like to Tira, you know, you're going to have to get an abortion. And Tira's like, what? <laughs> uh, he's like, look, I'm, I'm alien. My DNA is alien. My daddy's DNA was alien. The women are, are, they're basically vessels. The babies tear themselves out of the women upon birth. You're in, you're in really dire straits. You, you gotta get this taken care of. And she's not having it. So she goes to, uh, a gossip, uh, 
rag and um, brings the tape. And so, you know, Malcolm, it, things are not looking good for Malcolm. Oh, TMZ uh, that shit. Yes. And, uh, you know, Angel is pregnant, but it's a little bit iffy with Angel. It may not be Malcolm's. It may oh, be... Uh, well... Oh, ho up in there. Yeah, of Angel. But just... Because Angel's not really Malcolm's sister. This Angel, anyway. <laughs> she's she's his... Woo! Stepsister. Oh, okay. Yeah, Larson. That's freaky. But, uh, oh, great stuff. Savage Dragon 204. And I'm so glad I could talk about this book on a regular basis. Spawn 253. Wow. Uh, I don't think I read 252 yet. Earth Shattering. Okay, written by Paul Jenkins, John Boy Myers on art. Bringing it. Bringing it hard and strong. You're the big fan, big fan of the John Boy, huh? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> after, after what he had to sit through, who wouldn't be? Yeah. Laura Martin on colors. In a nutshell, Al Simmons' father's dying of cancer. And, and, uh, uh, he hasn't been a very good father. He's been an absentee father to Al. Um, and. Oh, he's not um, the one who showed him how to do his murdering ways? No. Okay. And Al, uh, takes it upon himself to escort his father's soul into the afterlife. But of course, there's something waiting. To try and disrupt that uh, passage, and it's very cool. And the art is spectacular, amazing art. Thank you, um, Todd, for getting John Boy on this book. That's all I can say. The writing's great, um, and Spawn has a gigantic bastard sword. It's God's sword, actually. Somebody in the book sees the sword and goes, "What in the hell are you doing with that?" It's like so cool. Oh my God! Read Spawn, and it's still two ninety nine. Oh. It's, it, at DCBS, it's only going to cost you a dollar seventy nine. The hell you say? Why, would, why wouldn't you get this book? It's fantastic. Seriously, why wouldn't you? Seriously, no, it's awesome. That's true. <laughs> I wish I was doing travels next because I would keep the I would keep the train rolling. You know what? Then let's actually. let's let's fuck shit up. Go ahead, bro. Whoa, really? Go ahead, do it, do it. All right, in your travels. Read Bloodstrike number one. Nice! That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> yes. Um, we, when we had, when we had Rob on a year ago, he, he swore that he was having, he was finishing up Bloodstrike number one to be ready for San Diego. So he was right. It just took an extra year. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, it's out. It's out. <laughs> Bloodstrike number one is out in, in, in our hands and I read it. I don't know if you guys had a chance to and it is bat shit crazy. It is NSFW. It is highly graphic, highly violent, really? highly sexual. Which again is, is not normal for Rob. It's, it's definitely oh, him. Here, man. Definitely him, him playing in the, in the, in the uh, darker annals of his subconscious and, um, Look, all, all I can say is it's 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 Rob on a page, and uh, for for people like me, that's a lot of fun. Uh, if if it also is fun for you, then it's been a long-awaited passion project of his, and uh, I got a big kick out of the first issue. I mean, some crazy shit happened. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah. So, Bloodstrike number one. Uh, if you happen to be a Kickstarter backer of it, as I was, I should be getting in a copy of it. On top of the copy I pre-ordered, but it is on the stand, and it is another image founder doing a book that uh, has been hotly anticipated. 
What was the perk with the Kickstarter? Is he going to sign it? I don't want to blow up my boy, but it's been so long I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I backed it, I think, two and a half years ago. I think so. My goodness. Yeah, oh, Mr. Liefeld's worth it's the wait. It's been a hot minute. Absolutely. It's been a hot minute. Ooh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. Uh, in your travels, I'm going to, um, yeah, I'm annoyed take a different route i'm going to say the uh one little book that i really enjoy um from the distinguished competition uh check out i i i'm up to issue number nine uh but grayson by um misters uh seeley and king and uh you have um it's for the most part um Miguel Janin is, is your artist. Um, the, uh, it's, you had the two months off due to, um, convergence, uh, but you, it, the book itself is still, you know, Dick Grayson is undercover, um, taking for spiral, uh, working for spiral. Uh, Minos tried to, uh, he, he, he tried to kind of, uh, let some secrets slip and that didn't work out too well for him. There, there've been some changes. There have been some in, in, in up to issue eight, there've been some, uh, we, we definitely ended things differently than when the series started. Uh, issue nine, I'm sorry. Yeah. Issue, um, issue nine, we have, uh, we have Grayson trying to um well the bird uh bird watcher is trying to contact mr malone and if you've been reading batman you know that um mr malone really is oh in so many words no longer with us uh mr malone would be batman and uh during the first eight issues whenever dick grayson would reach out to Batman to let him know what's been going on. Batman would reply and, and uh, let Dick know that, you know, stay undercover. We're working on something. Uh, but now being on pretty much the other side of the world, uh, Dick does not know that, that Batman is pretty much, uh, uh, giving up the ghost. So he's still doing his thing. Uh, he's still agent 37, uh, in issue nine, we were kind of introduced to, um, to Nemesis, and I'm, I'm guessing this is the first time Nemesis, uh, has appeared in the new 52. Uh, but there's a whole, um, frame up and who done it. Uh, Huntress is pretty much in charge now because of, uh, Minos's actions in, in the previous issue. Um, there's a bunch of characters in the shadows, one of which I kind of think might be Grifter. Uh, but seriously, when, when it comes to just Stringing you along and, and giving you just enough where you're, 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 you're really enjoying it. But then you get to the end of the issue and you're like, you know, you want to curse the creators because you've, you've made it this far and, and you need to know what's happening next, but you gotta wait till next month. Um, Tom, who is, I, I think safe to say a, a, a personal friend is, is doing phenomenal work with this, um, he and Tim Seeley have just been really giving you 
just enough that, uh, um, well, like I said, to string you along, the art has been fantastic, especially the action sequences. Uh, there's, uh, there's some great little funny moments, uh, when Dick is going undercover. Uh, he, he's getting dressed. It's very Mission Impossible 3-ish with, um, where, 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 uh, uh, Ethan was, was going to double as, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character and him trying to get dressed in time and, and get everything else done. Um, the, uh, there's another agent he's working with, uh, who it, it's just, there's a lot. It, it's very much, if you do like, I'm just going to say, if, if you like the Mission Impossible stuff, if you like the Mission Impossible movies, you will really enjoy, uh, Grayson. It, it's, it's extremely well crafted. Doesn't feel like some of the other DC books ever. It doesn't feel like Harley Quinn. It, it's not going to feel like, um, the Superman stuff, which I have action, uh, 42 to read next to continue the, uh, the truth storyline. Um, it, it, I definitely recommend Grace. And I also have Omega Man number two to read, which is also written by, uh, by Tom, but, uh, I, I know we, we tend not to give DC a lot of love on this show because we're not really reading a lot of stuff that, uh, we're not enjoying a lot of what I guess DC is putting out just to say it bluntly, but, uh, I, I really, really am enjoying Grayson and, and I'm glad I was able to, uh, to catch up with the past few issues and, um, definitely give it a shot. It doesn't, it, it yeah, you have, um, you know, Dick is trying to reach out to Batman, but aside from that, it's not like you, you don't need to read Grayson and then read that month's Batman issues. They, they really do have nothing, they have nothing to do with each other. You, you, you can read Grayson. It's, it's a complete standalone book and, uh, and, and it's, it's a gorgeous looking book. I, I don't know how to help Tom and, and Tim got lucky enough to, to, get such a, such a great artist on the book, but uh read Grayson. And shout out to you, Tom for for getting uh his first Marvel. He's, it's been it's official now. He's the, the director of Vision. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Nice. You out of all of us, David, make the most effort to read DC. I mean Jason covers some bases, but I mean the extent of mine is Omega Man. <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, at, at least you know that there's, you know, you're reading Batman, you know what's going on there, you know what's going on. I mean, you, you mix it up, which is yeah. a credit to you. The delays in, in, uh, in, in American Vampire are just crushing me. Like every month I get a, an alert from DCBS saying, oh, oh the issue is, is, is delayed. It's going to be resolicited. It's like, I mean, I know it's, I know it, I know, Albuquerque's been doing eight and, and Snyder's doing all that other stuff, but the book is slowed to a crawl. It, it, I feel like it comes out quarterly now, it seems like. And is it, is, is it ramping up to the end or is it still like as if it's a regular ongoing that everything's normal? I, I, if, if he's answered that question, I don't know the answer. I, I don't, oh, okay. I don't know. So for very selfish reasons, I hope it goes on for a long time to come. Sure. But, but I, I honestly don't know. Yeah. But I mean, it's like it's, it's Vertigo's longest running book. 
at at the moment, it's I mean, Vertigo's pretty much non-existent now, except for American Vampire. I don't. Oh, and the Mad Mad books, Mad Max books. I don't know what else Vertigo is actually putting out. They have, they have Hinterkind and Coffin Hill and Federal Bureau of Physics is nice. still being yes. published. Things I've never heard of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Hey. Hey. Thank you for being here with us this week. If you enjoyed what you heard, please come back next week. Do you want to let people know where uh, where they can send cards and letters to to reach out to you, Vince, since you won't be here for a while? (laughs) (laughs) Smoke signals. Uh, you'll, You'll find it in the same spot you found this. And please do come back because David and Jason are going to need some company. That's true. Yeah, you're. They'll be, they'll be, they'll be crying. Because <laughs> I'm not around. Hours, just, uh, uh, That's right. I missed him. I mean, <laughs> Facebook Messenger won't be, won't be much different. Right, right. <laughs> Actually, no. that's what it'll be. It'll be an episode of Facebook Messenger. <laughs> you, 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 you tap my nuts when I don't work, <laughs> and you tap my nuts when I do. Uh, that's, that's good. That's a good. Cover them bases. We love you so much. Come back, please. Well, Jason, I love you because we'll be here. Yeah, it's true. Um, and oh, one, one other thing. Wait, wait. Oh, sorry, one other thing. Wow. I forgot about this. I apologize. Um, I have a request for the audience. Oh, oh, nice. It's well, it's it's a, a good friend of our family. Um, there are one of their sons is 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 besties with my oldest son. Um, he, he has an older sister who is just an absolutely awesome geek girl. She is junior in high school and is a voracious reader of comics. Um, she just borrowed all the John's flash from me and read it. And she borrowed the teen Titan stuff and read it. She just, she can't get enough comics. Anyway, she has been looking apparently for lady mechanica the series that, uh, that uh, came out a few years ago by Joe Benitez. And I guess lady mechanica had a falling out with, I think it was avatar which was their original yeah. publisher. And yes. as a result, the collected edition is long out of print. And uh, so it's not on Amazon or anything. So if any of our listeners have either have copies of the issues or the trade, um, or know where there are reasonably priced copies of the trade or the issues and would like to sell them to me, I would love to buy them as a gift for them because uh, I know she would appreciate it. So, um, uh, we have many, many uh, thousands of listeners. So if any of you have a copy of this in issue or trade form that you would like to part with for a reasonable price, holler at your boy and I will buy it from you. Thank you. Oh, nice. So sweet. To people you like. Yeah. Well, <laughs> luckily, that's a short list. Really? That is true. Uh, say good night, David. Yeah. yeah. We out. Peace. We out. Gone.
turn of my day. 